So welcome everyone to the next episode of the Catribuda podcast. Today's guest is Virtual Senpai that I'm hoping I'm not mispronouncing. And do you want oh, to introduce no, no. yourself? Well, hello everybody. Um, I'm Senpai. I am a World of Warships streamer, uh, still computer, community contributor. I know a little bit cringe there, but you know, things happened and I had to think about it. Um, I'm currently based in um, Canada, so North America. Um, most of my content is on Twitch. However, I do do occasionally upload to YouTube. Um, I'm part of the 07007QQ7 community. Some of you may know us from King of the Sea, uh, the Verizon Champions tournaments. Um, 29 years of age. Um, and yeah, just kind of going through life, doing whatever I can, enjoying, enjoying the summer now that I can actually kind of take a bit of a step away from ships with this whole debacle that's happened recently. But yeah, it's an honor to be here, and I'm excited to be on this podcast. It's the second one I've done this week, but it's always fun to talk about new things, things that have happened in the community, and just just talk ship, for lack of better phrasing. <laughs> yeah, and we actually get to talk about ships at first, before we move to, I guess, the more community-related stuff. Yes. Uh, there are some new ships announced good. for 10.9. So um, yes, uh, we have two tier nine battleships, but we don't know what they're going to be available for. But one British and one Italian. Oh, uh, I was watching the uh, the dev blog this morning, and um, a lot of my clanmates were actually they were they were kind of having a few giggles about what exactly uh, these two ships are. So, it, but it, it in practice they look kind of cool, but. We'll have to see what happens. There's a couple things that I want to talk about with the Italian, but we'll get to that in a moment, I guess. Yeah, I guess if we start with the the Marlborough, which looks like a turbo KGV, basically. Uh, it's got... I do like the camo, though. All around. Is that four quad turrets? It's hard to tell if it's yeah, two turrets yes. at the back. It looks like four, four 16, quad turrets. Oh, it literally says, yeah, there, there. Yeah. 16. So, uh, if it's the same... AP and HE as the King George V. Uh, I mean, the, 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 the thing talks about it having uh, good concealment and fast reload time with a decent range. So um, it doesn't look like it, it has a catapult, but it will be at 10.9. So you, you do have the option of, of getting some extra range through the uh, equipment. But yeah, I, th I think this one is going to be a turbo HE spammer if it retains um... the power of the KGV. Yeah, you can see the stats down. There's yeah. like this arrow that you can press shows the stats. Uh, so it only has twenty four percent fire chance. Oh, okay. That's like Zao fire chance. Like the Zao is like twenty twenty one. Like that's extremely low for yeah, I guess that... British British ships, because we all know like Thunderer, Conqueror, the Goliath, all having very, very high HE uh, fire it's chances. Not what it's I would have guessed. Talk. Definitely not. Uh, I'm just bringing up KGV now. That has got a 41% fire Thank chance. And, uh, and it has it has 1.4 sigma. <laughs> Ooh, that's okay. This is going to be a British Leon then. 16 guns, complete shotgun. But what's really curious is they're bringing 356 millimeter guns into tier nine, which is yeah. a little. It's it it gives a little bit of food for thought, I guess. Like, just looking at it, that's one of the lowest calibers for a battleship at tier, if not the lowest. 
Um, but just looking at it, it just seemed like look, all I got to say is good thing. This is a thing is a work in progress because yeah. like, it's just absolute, it, it just doesn't look enticing whatsoever. Like if they make this a free XP, a coal ship or something like that, um, I like with the initial stats right off the bat, I would just say a hard no. The, let's see. Uh, does it have AP? Yeah, the AP looks very similar. Uh, there's 25. Like, if I just reading the description above, I would have expected this to to at least have like faster reload than 25. I would have guessed 24 seconds or below, and with the uh, the fire chance of KGV, which is obviously wrong. It does at least have the penetration with those HE shells. But yeah, that is um, that's quite a low fire chance and quite a low hit. Uh, uh, Sigma, so um, maybe you're going to rely more on the AP shells, but 14-inch AP at that tier, you're practically a super cruiser. Basically, yeah, I, I agree with that. Like, I would honestly think that if they wanted to make this thing at least a little bit interesting, give it improved AP, um, like improved angles or improved, like, you know how, like, the, the British light cruisers, so they get that, that yeah. high pen everywhere AP. Give them something that's, like, reminiscent of that. Not, like, identical, because the last thing we need is a battleship getting full pens on any ang any and every angle. But just make it more interesting. This thing just seems like it's a lack of gimmick, and we've all known Wargaming to be gimmick-centered. It uh, doesn't even have anything special in its consumables. It just says damage control party, repair party. So no hydro, no defensive... I think Nobody the only does. special thing is the amount of like guns you have, and that's uh, it. Looks yeah. like that's a compensation of everything. So your initial uh, your shells are not great. You're like your this, your signal sucks. Your reload isn't that great. Your fire change sucks. It's just like well, you just make up with add more guns. I mean, the firing range is at least good, twenty point nine kilometers, and you will be able to get that higher. Yeah, but you won't hit uh, anything at that range. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're going to be firing high explosive, but basically not hitting anything. So. Or hunting cruisers like the Scharnhorst would at Tier 7. What's the concealment on it, by the way? Because I would think that a British British battleship, which has no... Like, we, we know the, the Thunder and the Conqueror have, like, half-decent concealment. I mean, Thunder, I mean, that thing is... You basically may as well call it a stealth ship. Um, it has great concealment. But if this thing has good concealment, I can see it sneaking up on people, which would be a huge bonus. I mean, it has 15.4 base. So you get what like twenty percent off with, yeah, with Marshall and Captain. That's worse than the Lion. Oh. Uh definitely worse than the KGV. So not not oh, that sneaky to be honest. All I gotta I mean, say is good thing the little thing on the right at the bottom right is a thing. Good thing that is there, because holy moly. Mm -mm. Yeah. Well the only thing where it seems to be better is that it's nearly thirty one and a half not speed, which is um, definitely ahead of the other British battleships. And what's the AA like? Uh, looks like it has decent AA range. Six kilometers is all right. Um, yeah. I don't know about those DPS figures. Those don't seem... I mean, it's great. not like you're going to shoot down planes, let's be honest, no matter nah. what the stats <laughs> I mean, if it had, like, a defensive and higher DPS, that might have been a thing that you could say about it, but it, it looks fairly average in that regard. 529. 
It, it has 13.3 smoke fire penalty though, so it's a battleship that you could reasonably hide a bit in smoke. I, I guess. I mean, yeah, but at the same time, a battleship in smoke, we haven't seen that since uh, Supremacy League years ago when smoke fire penalty was non existent. Yeah, yeah, sure. I, mm-hmm. But just looking at this thing. It's decidedly meh for me. I don't know. What do you guys think? Like, it just doesn't feel like it's or look like it's a yeah. particularly like eye-catching development from Lesta. It it it's definitely one of these ones that feels like more of a minor variation on an existing ship. And we do have premiums of various kinds in the game like that already. So yeah, I'm not super excited about this one even if it did come out with with kgv's high explosive you know that might not necessarily be a popular choice having a, a high explosive spying battleship coming in at tier nine so yeah i don't know yes hello i mean if we don't see the full armor layer for example if it was like very well armored and you could maybe do something like i mean with 1.4 sigma you kind of have turn this into a close-range ship or he will yeah. be severely disappointed, it feels like. So you'd need some some way to, to make close-quarters combat work, I, I think. I'm just wondering what Leon... Is Leon 1.4? Uh, let's see. Leon is... 1.5. It's actually going to be worse Sigma than the Leon, although it might oh, be better in other characteristics. Goodness gracious. <laughs> um, like just, just get what I think. Just, just to make it, just improve it. Give it better AP. Give it, uh, like a like, give it a decent like non-British armor profile that isn't just soft armor everywhere that can be burned from it like does, front to back. It does say less than ideal armor. What? So we don't know the exact layout, but it doesn't say <laughs> like it's going to be great. Oh, we're gaming. Oh, here's here's a fun thing. Leon actually has better uh, fire chance on its shells as well by like two percent, although less penetration. Gaming. <laughs> so it's 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 in some ways worse than the Leon. Two tiers higher. <laughs> Excellent. Although at least it has a better turret layout than Leon. Leon is quite awkward in that regard. Well, it's still like... interesting though. Yeah, we'll see. These are preliminary. We'll see <laughs> if it remains like that. So oh, I do like the camera. Oh, yeah, the camera's nice. I think that's yeah. all it's got going for it, though. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the, the Verdi, you had something in particular you wanted to say about that. It, it does oh. look very Vittorio Vinito, I have to say, in its whole form. It, uh, as the description goes, it says it was, uh, it was a battleship project that was developed in... Italy by the Ansaldo firm in the year 1936, so it was definitely used the the Venettos as a design as a as a as a stepping off point, I guess. But for nine four oh sixes, yeah, and he actually it does say he instead of sap. And so there's one thing that was very interesting that was brought up in the uh, the World of Warship stream today. Um. You'll notice at the bottom of the, the simple description for the Verity, um, it has an improved exhaust smoke generator. It That is an 80-second... Um, apparently, oh. it's 80 seconds long without any okay. modules. So... 
Yeah. So think about this. So I we were I was discussing with uh, Maltese Knight and a few other a uh, few others in uh, 07007 QQ7. And we were looking at it and we were doing the math, and someone came up with full smoke modules and the flag. You get a hundred seconds of smoke. Yeah, now imagine three of those walking down a flank together, hiding in smoke. Full. If this thing can be secondaried. Just think about the insanity. You'd basically getting basically getting a larger Napoli. Just... It, potentially, yeah. I mean, uh, that's actually comparable. I, I thought it was about the same uh, of the um, the Huang He, the crawling smoke. Only obviously it's field smoke, so you could go way faster than the Huang He. Uh, so, yeah, that could be uh, interesting. I mean, it still ha- it'll have that smoke firing penalty, so that's that's why yeah. it kind of he- heavily depends on if the secondaries are any good. Um, does it say what it has? A bunch of the ninety mils and four from one fifty twos, I guess. One fifty twos, yeah. Base firing range seven kilometers, so you'd have to get fairly so close. The, the problem with with Italian secondaries is right; those nineties are never going to pen anything. So those 90s are best. Uh, they can start fires, but they can't really do damage to basically anything, which means you have uh, four times three 152s, which have a shit reload usually for the Italians. So those secondaries are probably not usable in any way or form. Now, that's implying that... Well, that's implying that they're HE. If they, for example, think about okay. this. If, they're SA, if they go SAP, then we have a contender. If If there's SAP... Like True. yeah, I agree. Those 90s are absolutely—they're—they're they're dog water. Like they're terrible. It's—it's—it's—they're like a waste of space. But like, if we give those things SAP, ooh, there—you can do some evil things. I mean, the problem with this whole smoke rushing thing is that you're effectively blind, right? It's not like you have—well, I guess you have a fighter for some brief spotting. Uh, but uh, gen- generally speaking, right, if you charge in with smoke, and that's a very long smoke that you can't stop, meaning you like a destroyer can just go towards you and you will only see the two kilometers, right? And you're just so screwed. You would need someone spotting for you, like a carrier or something. Yeah, definitely. you would definitely need spotting. Now, I'm looking at the picture. Now, I've got to ask both of you, does the Verdi look like it's sitting extremely high in the water? Because it looks like it's giving me Musashi vibes right now. Kind of. Maybe I mean, a little higher than, say, the Rome Wall. It's kind of hard to tell without it, like a side-by-side comparison of the uh, other Italians. But yeah. yeah, I'll bring up the. I'm going to see if I can look at the uh, the Marco Polo side by side here. Just pull up this picture. Because to me, like, I'm used to having, like, the Roma and the the Veneto just sitting very, very low. And to me, this thing just looks, like, for lack of better phrasing, it looks thick. It does look thick. And but if I mean, sits- it, it depends also where, like, they place the Citadel and what armor protection there is around it. Okay, so I've got the, the Polo and the Verdi side by side, and... They look about the same? That's curious. I didn't think the polo sat that high in the water. Color me confused. 
I mean, I don't know. I feel like you'd have to, you'd want the camera that you can move around because I feel like the angle also mm-hmm. is a role there. And we know Wargaming's camera skills aren't exactly the best. If anyone saw the uh, the stream today, they put it on auto for the the COTS show match, <laughs> and it was it was bedlam in chat more so than usual. <clears throat> but. 406s, uh, did it say what the Sigma is? Because we all know Marco Polo was terrible. Uh, 1.8. Okay, so it's it's standard. Average, yeah. 30-second reload, 36-second mm. and turret traverse. Yeah, good turret traverse. So definitely something that would work with Pro. I mean, it, it really just needs the armor to be a brawler. Hmm. Although, I think yeah. this... Sorry, go ahead. The 80 seconds, right? I mean, usually in, in an Italian, you use the smoke just to disengage if you have in a bad spot or something like that, mostly, right? It's, uh, 80 seconds can screw you. 80 seconds can be an advantage, but a long duration can really screw you because you can't turn it off, right? So if you smoke at the wrong time and then they still detect you because they, they have a radar or something or it, it's like, I don't know, because you blind yourself pretty heavily. It's not something that you want to do usually. So it definitely would rely on a heavier armor profile than Italian battleships in the future. So I think if it did have heavier armor, it would definitely be much more of a like. A, I think they. I think Wargaming designed this as a pushing ship. Like it seems just, like it. Yeah. Mm-hmm, just because the long duration, like, is is the smoke meta. Coming back, are we going to see? Is this what they say the counter is to CVs? Like, (laughs) is this what they think it is? Because if so, then okay, all right, guys. We found a solution to CV spotting smoke for everyone. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) nobody gets any vision anymore. Oh, goodness gracious! But yeah, like. I'm not too. I'm not overly impressed with these ships, but I do think the Verdi has potential. It's certainly the more interesting yeah. of the pair, mainly because of that smoke generator. <laughs> but yeah, like I think, well, if, if we if we had to guess though, what would be these? What would these be made available for? If I had to guess, I think they'd both be coal ships, or one would be. I th- actually, you know what? Verdi would be. Research Bureau, Marlboro would be uh, coal. That's my guess. Yeah, coal or maybe some future shipyard event. Maybe. That could be a thing. Hard to say. I think I haven't kept track, uh, track of what their recent releases were. I mean, they are obviously probably trying to like have all resources get new ships and from time to time, but I have Honestly, I haven't uh, kept track of what the last releases were for. The last release, let me see if I can actually pull that up. It was, I think it was, was it Ragnar for Steel? It was the Ragnar for Steel, I think. Everyone got a lovely shot of Sam's butthole there. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Sam. Thank you. And then they haven't announced what Gibraltar will be for yet, but I yeah. think I think Ragnar was the most recent um, unique uh, unique uh, currency release with steel. It's been a while since we've had a free XP ship. That's always a vague possibility, but 
I do think, though, that Wargaming is pulling away from free XP just because this game has been out for six six years now almost, and people have vast reserves of free XP. I know I have over definitely creeping up on two million, but so I think that would just be, I think they would view that as a poor business decision, and I mean... But then again, we we've known wargaming to make poor decisions, poor business decisions in the past. So, yes. <laughs> well, I mean, I, in, indirectly, research bureau ships are free experience ships, right? Because like a research bureau is for the most part just the free experience train. Mm-hmm. Like, then again, we already do have a tier nine battalion in there. But uh, then again, have we? Wait, yeah, we have seen battleships. What am I saying? We have we have Slava. Goodness, I was about to say, like, this could potentially be Research Bureau, but... Mm. Mm. Well, I think we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah. In, in other news, there are some uh, new informations about patch 10.9. And interestingly enough, it seems like Wargaming has decided to release the German battleships before the Russian carriers, even though Russian carriers entered testing first. Maybe they have decided to just give a break for for carriers. I don't know. Or maybe they love carriers so much. So obviously that was going to be such a popular line that they've decided to hype it up even more by (laughs) holding it back for longer. That's totally (laughs) the reasoning. Or gaming relenting? Hmm. (laughs) I mean, I was discussing this with uh, Aten before we went live, but I think... um, I think the reason why they're delaying it is because of the uh, the King of the Sea announcement or something like that. Um, we all that. knew that they were coming. They, we all knew that they were coming. And now, apparently, they're adding CVs. So... <sighs> I mean, it's also possible that they always planned to have a longer testing time for the Russians because they felt like te- carriers just need more testing. Because it was curious that so shortly after the Russian announcement, they announced the Germans, right? Before the Russians, I think, even entered testing, they already had the Germans announced. So it seemed like it was, it, it seemed weird at the time. So maybe there was something pre-planned there. And they they just always decided to just give the, the carriers more time. I mean, there was the completely wild idea that maybe they have something in mind for... um more kind of global carrier changes, maybe. <laughs> um, but that's why they're delaying the Soviet CVs. But that that's a bit out there. That's just pure speculation. Are listening to their community? Oh <gasps> no way! Who knows? <laughs> I mean, I would I would be more I would welcome a another CV rework. I would I would I would welcome that. Because... I mean, there is a section on it in the the. Oh yeah the whole uh, message to the community part that we'll get to. So that's kind of where mm. I'm coming from with that. Like, why mm-hmm. put out a line just before you, you know, if you've decided to make some changes, why would you then put out a line that you then have to make extra work yeah. for kind of thing? I mean, at least they're bringing back something consistent, the uh, the Halloween event. This is, this is, this is nice. <laughs> I'm, I mean, have they even <laughs> added any new camos? Um, they've added 
Uh, what was it? The Intanian fleet camos for some new ships, it looks like, that haven't had those kind of camos before. Personally, I don't like those camos that much. Mm, they're, like, they're, they're very si- they're very they're very uh steampunky. Like, no, but I just, I just feel like they've got too much stuff on them. I mean, I'm not particularly is, impressed with yeah. any of the um the new German battlecruiser permaflages either, to be honest. Yeah, I mean the whole aesthetic though with uh with the 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 Intanian fleet though. I mean if they're going for the steampunk, steampunks are supposed to be busy, like over overtly complex. Like I I guess like um just just pointlessly complex. Like it's supposed to be do the thing that you can supposed to be doing two steps and eight steps. So I mean I can see the aesthetic that they're going for, but yes, they are busy. I mean I do like steampunk camis. I have to say. I'm not sure why it needs to be like you have basically a lens in front when I'm looking at the hippo there. So definitely feel like the hippo should get bonus ramming damage with that camp. <laughs> yes, I agree. Oh, but it is a it is a rather nice. I mean, I like the brass, but as PHJ said, it's it's a little it's a, like there's there's too much going on, especially on the turrets, on the turrets, and like the, the little section that brass section and like right by. I think it's uh, a turret. It's like what's what's the point of that? But then again, I I guess I'm just answering my own question. It's supposed to be, it's supposed to be like uh, pointlessly complex. I also wonder if there are any effects like with with the the Tirpitz, uh steampunk camo from many years back. Right, there's a lot of electricity. Like you have this Tesla thingies, and I wonder if anything here lights up or is is doing stuff. I mean, if it was really steampunk, you'd have extra spurts of steam coming out of various bits. Yeah, I mean, it's, or, it's um, possible. And kind maybe repeating flywheel things everywhere. Yeah, like I think if we maybe we'll get a uh, torpedoes, like like you know how the the arpeggio mm-hmm. ships will get that. They had the uh, the Kleinfield torpedo detonations. Maybe we'll get some yeah. special torpedo animations in this camo. Who knows? Maybe. I mean, they do have the Kitakaze as one of the, uh, and the Senyang as one of the, um, as two of the, uh, the ships that do get this, this camo. So, maybe? Yeah, but maybe? the Iowa gets it too. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think, actually, of those, only the Iowa and the Implacable don't have, like, ship torpedoes. Obviously, Implacable does have aircraft torpedoes, but, yeah, everything else does have capability of dropping torps. So this is all going to be going uh, sort of um, like there's the the two uh, operations, but there's also going to be a Twilight Hunt battle mode, which will be it's similar to the Big Hunt battle mode. And I think we've seen that particular aesthetic with the weird floaty blocky things in previous ones. Yeah, and I mean, key battles were basically the same thing, right? Just looked a bit different. So basically fighting the bots and fighting other players. They say that this time you can enter the battle on monster ships. I wonder if you're then in a different, uh, like, different sort of. Team. Well, I mean, I guess you're already fighting each other anyway. But probably I have to play on the monster ships team, as right? they've done in in previous ones. Maybe you have to unlock them through, through stages yeah. or. And there, there will be normal, hard, and super hard as difficulty. Yeah, that, that's. I don't think they've done that before. That that might be new. Like. 
just having having that super hard difficulty. I think we only went. I think there was only two difficulties in previous years. Yes. If yeah. So now they're giving us like it, it's so funny how I mean we'll talk about ops later, but it's so funny how they're like, okay, you know what, we're not gonna, and then all of a sudden they're just giving us a super hard, a super hard difficulty. I wonder how what I wonder what their definition of super hard is. Well, the, the hard version of Sunray in the Darkness, I remember being pretty tough to complete. There's a cat knocking everything over here. Hello, sir. Ignoring it. Like, uh, so, um, like, is super hard going to be at that level? And then the new hard level is going to be a little easier than that? Or is super hard going to be harder than the previous hard level? Is, I guess, the real question. I mean, that, like, if, if it's super, super hard, I can see the, like, if, if it's harder than last year's, then. You would have to oh. do it with a group of people you could communicate this with. There's no way you could do it with randoms. I mean, even so, if you were like, I, I was doing it with uh, clanmates, and we were we were even struggling. But then again, we're we're PvP players. We're not PVE players, so we were doing things that we maybe shouldn't have been doing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's nice if they make a challenging PVE mode, right, for those people who want to, right? <laughs> It's just nice to have something other than the same five ops over and over again. Even if it's just Agreed. Halloween. But these camels, you before. mentioned them earlier on the Brandenburg and the Prince Heinrich. I do think I I like the the Brandenburg's uh, bow. I really like it. It's it's very out there. It reminds me of the um the Vlad of Vostok perma camo. Yeah, it's fine. It's the coloring that don't particularly like the, the way they've done that. I don't know, just something about it is just like, bleh. It's very it out there. It doesn't, to me, it doesn't scream Kriegsmarine. It's, or, yeah. or, um, or that, that era in Germany, Germany, where it's, it's kind of like, you see the red and the white and the black, but the yellow? Like the yellowish gold? Where does that come from? It yeah. doesn't quite fit, I think. I mean, it, it looks all right-ish, but I think they, they could have made it look otherwise. Mm. The, the Heinrich, on the other hand, is just... Uh, I don't oh. know. I don't like that. If you were going to go for a more World War One-themed, like, special German permacamas, surely they'd be... I, I just... I don't know. I, I think it just feels too kind of generic and... Apart from that eagle head bow, there's not really anything that that sort of distinguishes them. To be honest, there's like a little, there's like a little trim that goes along the um the, yeah, up, the, the top side yeah. of the freeboard, but that's uh, about it. Oak leaf. Yeah, like the... I think if they, I think if they put some iron crosses on it somewhere, um, it would look a, a little nicer. Like you know how um on the Richelieu camo. Um, the, that, that, that kind of like goldy, they have a, I can't remember, is it, um, gold fleur de lis on it? Uh, I think that's what they have on the side. But I think if they did the same thing, but put iron crosses on the side of the Brandenburg, I think it would have been a nice touch because, like, we, we were talking about the, uh, the Halloween camos being too busy. I don't think this mm -hmm. one's busy enough for the, for the amount of extravagance that the eagle has. Honestly, yeah. if it was up to me, I'd have done something themed around, like, maybe the Imperial German Crown Jewels or, you know, the various insignia or crests or whatever, because that's 
that's the thing that sets these apart from the battleship line, apart from obviously them being then battle cruisers, is that these are definitely all firmly in that World War One era. This is firmly Imperial Germany, and you could have had something quite unique on that basis. <clears throat> and instead, it just it it looks very kind of slapdash. I mean, comparatively low effort compared to some of the other really nice camos we've had. You know, dare I say it? Yep. Art department, you let us down. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it looks like they they just uh, ran out of money halfway for a ship. They started with a very nice, like, figurehead on the top, and then there are, like, those... uh, Feathers or so that come out, and then you have the, the the trim going there, and then like how like after the second third, they're like, well, the budget's gone now. We, we could have had like orbs and scepters and gems and and like gold filigree and all sorts of cool stuff, and instead, it, I gotta say that was absolutely perfect. They ran out of money. War gaming running out of, running out of money. Where's your where's the loot box money? <laughs> <laughs> You find the oh, second it, half of the camo in a loot box. <laughs> oh my oh, goodness. Well. <laughs> at, um, at least, you know, there's the positive thing of of maybe people are going to look at these and be like, yeah, I'm not going to bother with the preview events so much then. Because <laughs> these kind of special perma camos are usually firmly tied to the preview event. Oh yeah, and then... I mean, the, the ones for the new German destroyers were kind of disappointing as well, but at least they were more kind of Iron Cross thematic. Weren't they like I mean, the same least... Iron Cross we already had? Or for like mm. the Pullman and so? Oh, those ones were no, those those, those ones were just, they were simple and effective. Mm. Like, looking at the Pullman with that camo, it's just like, you know what, this is a nice ship. This looks nice. Yeah. And if they, I think that they added like the, the, like they gave that camo to the Brandenburg and just added the golden eagle on the front or like even a silver eagle would look nice. Honestly, if they, if they took the Brandenburg and made the majority of the ship black and gave it some nicely placed gold trims together with that golden figurehead, that would look nice, right? You had, you'd have like mostly a black ship, just maybe in the turrets and so some gold trims and then that golden figurehead with like the gold, uh, a little bit. Off the towards mm-hmm. the center. That that would look classic. It would look. Classic. It would look classy. It would look sharp, effective, and it wouldn't look like you're trying to get yourself hit like with the, this red that they have on the bridge. Oh, like it. Like that just says, "Shoot me, shoot me, take me for all my damage." <laughs> oh. And as a, as a as a cruiser player, I salivate when I see targets like that. But at least the uh, the commemorative flag and the patch—they don't look too. I mean, they're nice. They're they at yeah. least keep that simple theme. And then the ways of obtaining these will be announced later as they show a loot box. <laughs> okay, mm-hmm. seen uh, like all this talk and nothing's changed. Working. But they made the loot box look nice, right? <laughs> The loot box is better designed than the camo, to be honest. Which is 
kind of surprising. I'm not even going to lie. I mean, they at least put an iron cross on it. So, like, if they if they if they took this loot box and put it on the ship, quite literally, this loot box with maybe a little bit less gold, it would have been fine. But I guess I guess no, I guess not. Oh, I managed to get myself timed out in the chat there. <laughs> oh, do, do you need permission for a link? Apparently. Uh... Ah. Here we go. Right, so, yeah, that, that kind of, I was just doing a quick Google, and, you know, imagine something like, you know, gold edging and kind of a red, velvet sort of thing and gems studded in and a little gold cross on the top of the 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 main mast and you know that could be a whole thing yeah mm. like i yeah. think i think that would have been much more i guess extravagant and much more i guess eye-catching yeah well actually you know there's there's if you go back into the um a little bit further back it's not just like the german imperial crown but you've got all the um the different dates of, like bavaria and prussia and saxe-coburg yeah. and the crown of the hre and you know it's good plenty of things to choose from i mean on the bright anyway. side at least we get hamburg which yeah. i must say is quite a nice looking port it's 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 i i like the way this looks and i yeah, guess maybe I mean, that's what they were going with with the red in the camo like they're trying to get possibly. it to match the port hmm. Hamburg, yeah it's already quite nice um so the fact that they're gonna give it a little dress up and maybe a, a little spruce i think hamburg was the first big kind of city port that we had that looked properly nice. Although, did London precede it? I think London preceded it, but London looked kind of naff at first. New York was New York. We just we just won't mention it. I mean, yeah. they did, oh, yeah. they did it up for they did it up for Christmas, but <sighs> I mean, it, it's New York. But I guess this is I guess that's where the red came from. I mean, what is that? That that on the top right picture? What is that? Is that an aircraft carrier? It's a giant. It looks like a giant, like wooden cutout of something. <laughs> yeah, it's odd. It looks like it's half painted. If you, if you yeah, the picture in a new tab. That is so weird. I oh oh, like oh a big it cardboard is a cut cutout. Yeah, it is a cutout. You can see on the bottom with like the it's it's yeah. being held up. Yeah. Oh, it is kind of odd though. <laughs> Mm -hmm. It is very odd, it, and I would go as far to say as it makes the port look trashy. Like if you want, if you want to make a, if you want to celebrate an event, you you if we're in World of Warships, you got to make the port look nice. It's got to go off without a hitch. Mm. It's got to, it's got to, it's got to shine. It's got to have like no blemishes, and this is a rather large blemish. So again, I think we'll go with Atem saying. I think the art department ran out of money halfway through. I don't know. I mean, I still think the port looks nice, though. Overall, it's nice. It's just that one, that, that, that wooden section is just... Yeah. Ugh. I don't think I'll be using it. Oh, no. No, no, no. Unless they fix that, maybe I'll use it. 
truck, aside from the German battleships and the Halloween stuff, we also have a temporary weekly event called Naval Records, where it says the goal is to earn as much base XP as possible. The event rules are similar to naval battles. Each player will have access to a list of classes, nations, and ships they can take into battle. Completing the objective will give players German tokens, coal, and enable the player to take another ship into battle. So it seems like just a themed variation of the running, recurring naval battles. Except there's no yes. limits. Um, there's no limits, and it refreshes once a week. Oh, there's yeah. no limits. That's actually interesting. What do you guys think about that? I think they 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 said something that they wanted to make something like the naval battles, but for for people without a clan, so that everybody can participate. Hmm. That makes sense. I think that's really cool, though. Like, no limit on the number of attempts. I can just see, like, the inter-clan competitions where people are just aiming to get as much base XP as possible and have it recorded just to see how high they can get. Presumably the tokens that it mentions will be used towards the, the preview event. Or the, Probably. The so, you know, it's nice to have a way to to earn those, I suppose, by uh, playing the game or having a, have an extra way to earn those. Presumably there'll also still be missions for earning those. So we also then, have... Uh, sorry, just, what do you want to... I was just going to say asymmetric battles are coming back, too. Oh, yeah, that's, that's, that's yeah. what I was just going to bring up. <laughs> yeah. So this, this, this one does sound quite interesting. I... I it's something that's been tried in World of Tanks previously, and I can't remember if it's been mentioned in previous dev blogs or something. I mean, it's uh, something that is so hard to balance that it usually yeah. doesn't work very well. So we'll have to see how well it works this time. I don't, I don't time. have high hopes, but it might be vaguely fun to try as a temporary thing. Yeah, I mean, you'll probably play it a few battles, and then it depends on how well it's balanced, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, like. I think, like, the 5 to 7 and 9 to 12, like, I'm not sure if the 2 to 1 rate, the almost 2 to 1 ratio would work, just because, like, what if everybody takes tier 8s that could, that have, or, like, premium tier 8s? Like, for example, like, the majority of line ships um, at tier 8 for cruisers don't have a heal, but the premiums do, and everyone just brings, like, an Otago, Prince Eugen, or Tone, and they just burn, burn tier 9s down. It's going to be, it's going to be a crapshoot. It's either going to go really well or really horribly. Honestly, I, just... I think there is maybe an interesting way to do lower tiers versus higher tiers in a game mode, but I don't think this is it necessarily. Um, didn't we try historical battles before? I think that was a thing, wasn't it? Or am I thinking of World of Tanks and War Thunder? They, I think they, they tested that. them, but never put them on the live server because they figured out that if only like one team has raiders, it's not going to work somewhere. Hmm. I, think, I think if they did that, they'd have to disable certain, uh, certain consumables or just, just modify certain consumables in order to make it work and make it be balanced so that there's a chance that like one team can either follow history or the other team can rewrite history. I think they would have to. They, it would just be a whole nother like mess of coding, but honestly, I, I would like to see like some form of historical battles come back. I mean, historic battles would make a more sense probably in a scenario form, right? Then or an operation form, 
which obviously they don't want to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's all on wargaming, though. I mean, they've they've got a. I mean, people want these things, but they've got different ideas, I guess. Unfortunately, yeah. It's always trying to make these things fit into existing systems rather than like if you're starting from the fresh, you probably could make some kind of historical lineup mode. Mm-hmm. But if you're trying to fit all the existing different national flavors into it, then it gets tricky. Mm-hmm. I mean, also the problem with anything where you stick uh, absolutely to history is that the number of ships that participate is very limited, right? So mm-hmm. you need to have exactly the ship that's there, and you need to exactly one person for this ship, which limits matchmaking a lot. Unless you, they would just give you a ship that you don't have. Uh, just for you to play in this battle, because that's, otherwise, that's a lot of tanks kind of ran into yeah. problems. Everyone wanted to be the Tiger. Nobody wanted to be the T thirty four with the seventy six mil. Yeah, but yeah. like also World of Tanks, I think they did. They have specific tanks that you had to go in, or did they have, give you still an option, right? Because if you want like an actual historical battle, you'd have to be like, okay, this side has exactly one of this ship and one of this ship and one of this ship, right? And not an option. And that makes queuing just like really problematic. Nightmare, yeah. I think it. I think it was definitely. I think for World of Tanks, it was like okay, you could only queue in these amounts, and then yeah, it was very. It was odd. It was very specific. So that would be a queue. That would be a queue time nightmare, and we've already seen quite a few of those with uh, subs being added to ranks. I mean, I think it was a uh, Daishu was in gold, and he was queued in a submarine for about an hour and a half, and he streamed the entire thing. Okay. Did you, like, sit and read a book on stream or something? Honestly, <laughs> he probably could have. He probably could have. In brawls, I think that's, that is what it is. Yeah. Yet they have no details for the brawls yet, right? It says uh, with the eight chips, but it doesn't say how many, right? It doesn't say how many, but I mean, I guess that's really just it. I mean, tier eights. I mean, tier eight, in my opinion, is one of the more balanced tiers, just because mm-hmm. like you go up and down. Um, but at tier, it is pound for pound, probably I would dare say the most fun. So that's going to be a good time, hopefully. It depends on the number of ships, right? I like the brawls where you have like three or four people only, and not a lot of people. And you just, like, ram your entire team down the middle of two brothers. Exactly. You just play three versus three, you press W at the start of the game, and whatever happens, happens. I'm going to let our cat out real quick, so keep chatting. I think we're sure. almost done with this, uh, this page. Yeah, we've, well, yeah. Anyway. I think basically. There's, and there's, a, there's a big, like, okay, so a big win for Wargaming here um, with the, the ship stats. They actually show you what's activated, which is so nice. Oh it's yeah. So nice. This is perfect. Like we get to see what what is happening like if a, like if a if a passive skill has activated, we get to see how far an adrenaline rush we are, like what our what our percentages are. This, they're giving us information, which is Yeah. It's oh, very it's a needed. shame that it took so long, but it's finally coming. It's like it's I mean, better late than never, but I feel like yeah. it's almost it's almost too late. It's almost too late. I mean, I feel, 
I feel like things like that, if you introduce like an entire new skill system, right, and with skills that activate on certain conditions, then you should have a system like that already present, right? Because this is really like industry standard to see which skills act. Exactly. And it takes them this long, just shows that they haven't properly planned. Like it, it's, they are fixing their mistake now, right? They are not in a sense, I mean, they're adding a feature, but it's not, it, it's like they're fixing a mistake they made it months ago in a sense. Yeah, like it's, it's, Wargaming is living in 20s, like 2012, while the rest of the, the rest of the gaming industry is current day, if not going past that bleeding <laughs> edge. We should have this stuff by now, and it's just, it's, it's silly how, it's how slow they are when it comes to acting either proactively or reactively. Like we saw even with the CC drama a few weeks ago, them came up with a statement in 18 minutes and it took them three days. It's, it's, it's embarrassing. It's absolutely embarrassing how they, one, can't read a room and two, they, they don't think outside the box. They just kind of like want to throw stuff at the wall and hope it sticks. I feel like often they just are uh, maybe disconnected from gaming in general a bit or from like the game because like base base features that you'd expect, they don't seem to understand that those are actually base features you'd expect and how important they are. They look at this from a perspective from like, it, for them, it, it always feels like, so, oh, you want to see what skills are active? Yeah, this is a minor thing that like five people want. Yeah, we will we'll add that when we come around to it. And they don't feel like, oh, this is a massive feature that a game should have and it's missing, right? Like, I think it was someone pulled the data, and I think it was I I, can't, I don't remember. It was either one of the office or the devs in general, but it was like they there was like three hundred total games played over like the last like month or two months or something like that. And to me, that just proves how disconnected how disconnected the company is. Like. They've, like, sure, they've done, I guess, some good things, but I don't even know if those are good things because, I mean, the community has been gaslit for so long. Are we counting common decency as big positives? Who knows? Although I have to say, I'm, I'm, I haven't seen any of this data, I'm not sure where it's coming from, but you have to be careful because often in a company like that, there are employees' accounts and they might have private accounts that they haven't made public, so you don't know what their nickname is, and if they play like at home, they might play with a different account and maybe this only work account. So I, I, since I haven't seen the data, I can't say how accurate it is or how suspect this is, but the, the game often feels like they aren't playing it or they are playing it on a very casual level. Yeah, like 100%. I don't like, again, the data, Um, like, it came from a pretty credible source, but I did not see the source myself. So, again, it is yeah, not concrete. It's, if it's true, not, if uh, true, you need to interpret data, right? It's if they, if somebody, for example, were to pull all empl official employee accounts and add up the data, it doesn't tell you if they have, like, a private account where they play at home. Yeah, that, yeah that's what I mean. That's what I mean. Like it, I, what I'm saying is that my my source, like I usually trust that source, but I didn't see the data myself, so I don't know if it's 100% true. But I, I, yeah, that's I'm what just mean that person could have yeah. made a mistake and not uh, thought that through. Or so I think we're on the same page here. Yeah. And then, oh goodness, we're getting another NC camo. Mm. Yeah, I don't think many people are going to end up getting that one potentially. I mean, it's. It, I mean, I guess it's... I like the skull and crossbones. <laughs> oh, 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 take a look at the bow. Take a look at the bow. Yeah, it has, it has a, yeah. the C emblem. 
like right on the tip. Oh yeah, 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 it does. That's really nice. I think that is absolutely amazing. That that um, camo looks really amazing. Unfortunately, it's for North Carolina. <laughs> I mean, NC. I I mean, feel free to disagree if you want if, with with me if you want. But I think pound for pound, it is the best tier eight battleship overall. Yeah, there are others I prefer. I would, I would, that would, it wouldn't be my first choice. Yeah, it, it's but not a bad ship, mind you, but it's not really a ship that I'd actually take out for fun myself. I just think it, it up tiers nicely because one, it has decent AA, two, it gets 406s, it's fast. I mean, sure, it doesn't have the greatest armor, but to me, it's a ship that can, it's basically just a smaller Iowa to me. Which basically is a tier nine. It's like I, I like it personally. It might be it might be my bias just having like the nice I guess accuracy. The shells are a little floaty, but we all know that to be American, uh, an American trait. But I personally just I, I like like the I think the after playing all tier eight battleships, NC's just been so consistent. But what would you guys say is pound for pound best tier eight battleship? I mean, best is such a, like, the, the thing is, right, I like brawling battleships, and they're definitely not the best, right, because a brawling playstyle is already very subject. But then, the most maybe, fun maybe. is definitely, like, uh, key Bismarck and Tirpitz are, are the most fun for me at tier 8. I would have guessed, I guess best wouldn't be the best word, I guess the, the more preferred ship to play. Yeah, yeah, I would you, take, you like, a, a Bismarck, Tirpitz, and key. Although, obviously, you know, the best tier 8 battleship's clearly HMS Monarch. I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> can't, we, we can't, we can't, no one comes close to the Monarch. You know, it's, it's on a whole different playing field. No one can come close. But I do like that camo. It does look very, very nice. Um, I think it's a nice homage to um, those who compete in, competed in COTS or those who are King of the Seas enjoyers. Though, I think they could have taken it a step further and maybe applied, uh, like, special camos for those who have, I guess, the, uh, the medals, like, like, uh, color thematic ones. So for, like, the champions, they'd obviously have, like, the red and gold one, and for some people, they would have the silver and kind of turquoise one. For the, um, the medals that show up when, uh, you, uh, when you get killed by someone or, like, to identify someone mm -hmm. in port, stuff like that. I think that would be kind of cool. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, but uh, it, it's definitely good-looking. I think that... Ooh. Yeah, that's just about it. There's also mention of a special anniversary port for St. Petersburg. for The 325th birthday of the Russian Navy. And there are some German commanders with special voiceover. Ooh, the... um. Let's see. Can I see it here? I don't know if any of you have been to any of the CC summits when... You were still in the program, but... I was never invited, sadly. Oh, sad. I, I'm so sorry, but, like, a lot of this... It's, it's like, there you can see, like, that we, we visited so many of these, uh, I guess, like, larger cathedrals. Um, a lot of these areas that are actually in the port. They're, they're, they're just as beautiful in real life. That's all I wanted to say. They're just as beautiful. Like, that bridge, I've crossed it. Um, in the distance, there should be... Mm -hmm. The, the huge naval cathedral that you can see you can see it in the distance. It's it's just really nice. 
the Aurora is still in immaculate shape. But I think, um, gentlemen, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to move on too quickly. But I think we can yeah, move yeah. into the mean potatoes. I, yes. I think we can move to the important message for the community. Oh, whoa. Um. Yeah, I mean, I, honestly, overall, I'd say they are making the appropriate noises now. It remains to be seen how much of that actually comes true. But this is sort of the the answer that we've been hoping for, at least, I would say. So, you know, I mean, maybe there is some some hope in the future. Or it could just all be hot air. I mean, I I can see I I agree with that with that with that statement. Like this is this it if it looks like a duck, it quacks like a duck. But is it a duck? That's that's well, that's my big question right now. Like all of this is yeah. great wording, but that's just it. It's just words. Will they go through and actually do all these things that they've said or apologized for? Like they it gives they, us they, something to hold their behavior up against, at least, in future, and we can, you know, see if their yeah. actions match their words. I mean, I mean, it's not like we've never had statements that are promised or something and then went back on it. So, we'll yeah. see. I mean, like, first, me, they actually addressed monetization, which is already a good step, because they came out and accepted that monetization is a problem for a lot of people, and they addressed this, right? And they actually promised, I think, that in the future, no more Lockbox exclusive ships. Now, all new ships, if they're distributed with mechanism, there will be an alternative way to obtain them. Now, of course, we don't know if the alternative way will be that you have to uh, book a ticket to St. Petersburg and then apply with a formal letter in their main office, which could be an alternative way to get it, but uh, there will be an alternative way to get it, right? I mean, that... that where they specifically mentioned time gating, I mean that's basically what yeah. happened after the whole uh the the kickback against bundles when we didn't see bundles going away. They haven't gone anywhere. You can still yeah. buy the very expensive bundles. But they did then go to a policy of of sometimes and not even that much recently they, they tend to put everything on sale at the same time now but they they at least uh, at first would have the bundle out first and then you would have to wait a couple of days which wasn't ideal so it does kind of maybe indicate that that, that they're at least thinking about maybe stuff will be exclusively available through lockboxes at first and then you wait like a week and then it's just available yeah. like like Missouri. Yeah, so I'm not not the biggest fan of that, but the fact that that you will be able to just buy the thing you want to buy that that's you know that, that they're giving us that guarantee. You know, if they go back against that, then we'll definitely throw it back in their faces. One hundred percent. Like I think that's that's one hundred percent the way to go about it. Like have a chance at getting it for pennies. But if you really want to, if you get tired of it, then just go buy it outright. I think that is the better, that is the better business decision. And it's good to see that they're actually, that they've actually addressed this because looking at, um, looking back when we had this whole, when this whole debacle started with the loot boxes, it was just poor 
like even before the Missouri loot boxes, we had the mm-hmm. Makarov incident, mm-hmm. and it was, it was, it was, it was just totally tone deaf. It was deceitful, and it was filled with lies. And I don't know how. I just, I would really like to meet the. um the marketing department, honestly, and see see who's in charge and ask them, so where did you get your piece of paper that said you're qualified to do this? <laughs> because as a marketing major myself, we learned this in Marketing 101. Um, you have to be transparent with your consumers and your customers. You have to be, you have, like, you in order to make money, you have to be as truthful to the customer as possible. You have to give them what they want. You like a happy customer will provide good reviews and they will they will talk and we were also taught that if someone has a negative experience they are three times more likely to talk about that negative experience than they are about a positive experience and so bad press sp- spreads like wildfire while and it's easier to get that bad press whereas good press it doesn't spread as quickly given but it is it is much more worth it to work for and it's just kind of it's really, really bad to see that like wargaming has just been so mar- like dumb, deaf, and blind when it comes to marketing. Extremely stubborn is how I'd put it. Like stubborn to the point of boneheadedness. I mean, <laughs> I have I have to say it's just very video game industry in general because it's just like in the last I don't know ten years the video game industry has moved more and more into psychological traps and shady. Mm-hmm. Uh, gambling and like the whole video industry in general just moves into this direction. And I've seen a lot of uh, pieces on that. And I think there are like marketing seminars. And this is basically what they teach, I think, like video game developers these days, how they just because it's so effective, right? Because they have realized that if they just, you know, apply the right psychological uh, screws or so, they get people to give them all the money. And if you just have no morals, then, you know, it's probably a very effective way of making your money. And they, they are probably also not thinking too long-term on, on customers in a certain way. Because, I mean, once you squeeze down that money and that guy's broke, then you just move on to the next person, right? Yeah, like, they, they, they are, all they, um, they thought of was bottom line. And in the business world, bottom line is important, but it's not that. It's, it's not like the be-all, end-all. Yeah, I mean, you have to think longer term, not just short term, right? You you have to think, like, if you want to have a product around for, like, 10, 20, 30 years or so, you you got to think that you can't squeeze every customer that comes in, right? You, you need to retain some of them. Yeah, 100%. Like, it's it's just the way, it's, 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 oh, I lost my train of thought, but just making sure that, like, it's just customer retention is just so important. And the the, like, from what I've seen, um, with World of Warships players, um, the customer retention door has n- been replaced, not just by an opening closing door, but it's one of those spinning doors now. You just see players coming in and out, in and out, in and out, in and out. And it's, it's sad. Honestly, like I've been in this game for six years now and just seeing so many good people leave just because of poor marketing decision. It's, it's, it's depressing. But, uh, yeah. It does. This this kind of stubbornness, like definitely, say, applies to all tanks as well. So maybe maybe it is a business culture thing. I don't know. Well, it's one hundred percent a business. It's a business and corporate culture. I think. Um, as we we've all um, most of uh, Atem and I have experienced uh, sub Octavian and others when 
in the uh, in that in that discord and it is uh, would you say it is definitely a a um a corporate culture thing i don't know enough uh honestly i mean the the, the most contact we had was obviously with if like the community team right so i haven't had enough contact with uh Wargaming as a whole, and with all of the people working there, with management, let's just say that I could say that. But it's it's just like, I think like a lot of big companies run the same way, especially like gaming companies. So it's not like Wargaming is in any way unique. It's just that it's the first time that we are like directly interacting with it. Or, or that we mm-hmm. are, that's the first time that I'm really invested in a game, I guess, where it really feels mm-hmm. like, uh, it hurts a bit more other than if you just like play a game in passing. The fact that it, it's, it's kind of telling to me that it really did take a whole bunch of CCs walking out before Wargaming was like, hmm, maybe we should, maybe there is something to what these guys have been whining about. Maybe maybe we should actually think about it rather than just being dismissive. I wonder if if that real, that that shitstorm has actually reached their bottom line. I wonder if they looked at the Missouri logbooks and they realized then after all this, what we kicked up, it didn't sell as well. Or if they they just experiencing like a decline now in, in... spending on players or in something because somebody has been reached with this hole because like an, an answer like that is is it's a big step for walking it feels like yeah i i i highly suspect it's maybe not so much the cc's walking out as the the single event but then the press picking it up possibly right, and- we got PC yeah. gamer Kotaku, and for those of who uh, were part of Foshgate, we got a Jimquisition episode. So yes, and yeah, I mentioned it as well. You know, so these are fairly large outlets with with reach, and you know, this old thing about bad publicity being better than no publicity, but is that necessarily true? If, if people have this association in their minds with, oh yeah, World of Warships. You know, they see an ad on YouTube or whatever. Wasn't was that thing I read about where they were doing predatory monetization? They're less likely to go yeah. and try it out themselves. They're more likely to have that negative association with it and, um, you know, therefore not become a customer, potentially. Then next, they have finally said that they are going to publish all drop rates. But well, I've said they are working on it and it will take some time, but our hard commitment is it will happen over the course of the next year. Now, Sapokhagan actually clarified that a bit on stream. What he said is that they're setting themselves a hard deadline that within a year they want to do this. And what he claimed was that the reason why they can't do it so easily is because I think some laws in China or something that they have to look up. It sounded a bit weird. To me, I have no idea what laws China has, but obviously they could like just add the drop rates. Like, because essentially adding the drop rates means editing a text file and saying like, look, uh, in the description, those are the chances, mm. right? It, so to me, like th- this is my thought. Like that there might be some legal implications, but the fact that they already do it for uh, the 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 console versions on the, the Sony and the, yeah. the Xbox store. I'm wondering if it means that maybe for the PC version they've 
decided that they're going to go away and like recalibrate the odds on some of these boxes or kind of rethink the monetization of, of what I was thinking just the the odds I feel like the odds are so unacceptable for some of these things yeah. where they're like okay you know what? we need to completely redo the odds on like what these things are going to be and then when these odds are re eventually released to the public I think a lot of us are going to be like <laughs> really it's that chance. So what you're saying, wargaming, is I was extremely unlucky. I think I think that I think there's there's definitely something something mm. behind this this timeline. I, I agree. I, I I would be highly unsurprised if if they kind of recalibrated heavily the odds, but also the prices of loot boxes. Oh, so maybe maybe the odds get to what are kind of visually more acceptable levels, but the prices of loot boxes go up. I mean, Why? it's entirely possible Excellent. that they have uh, that they are investing in new statistics or new research and what odds are sell best. Because mm. if you display the odds, you might wanna sell more. Uh, like, if if you don't display the odds, right, then I you know you can yeah, you keep the odds lines. very low and sell yeah. a lot of boxes that way. But once you display the odds, there comes a psychological factor at which how high do the odds have to be that people are actually incentivized yeah. to buy them while you still make money. Right. So yeah. it's impossible that they are investing now time and research into okay, how can we display the odds and still like maximize our profit? Because if someone sees like, you know, zero point zero one percent of getting yeah. whatever high tier premium, they're gonna be like, Oh, I'm not gonna bother. But mm -hmm. If you have that, be a more statistically like what what statistically significant versus what people perceive to be statistically significant. I think I think it's probably exactly what you're saying, Atam, is that they're going to figure out what numbers are going to be palatable, what numbers are going to be potentially more attractive. I think it would also depend on what is available within the loot boxes. So, for example, I'm Absolutely. going to use Azure yeah. Lane here as an example. So. We just had an event in Azure Lane, which was, um, we, it was a, it was a rerun of the American event where we could get ships like the Intrepid. Um, let's see what else I'm gonna, I got to pull it up here, but there were a bunch of ships that were put in. They had increased drop rates. These were event exclusive ships. Um, and a lot of the ships were 2% drop rate, 2% drop rate, but that is because that 2% drop rate made up about 20% like 16 to 20 percent mm -hmm. of the total drop pool so it would not surprise me to see that like drop rates and crates for like certain ships if they release like a multi-ship crate like say for example the santa crates um mm -hmm. some ships are two percent drop rates where others sometimes for like for azure lane um there's always the two percent like rate ups and then there's the super super rare one that's like a half a percent where you have mm -hmm. to keep drawing for it keep drawing for it it would not surprise me to see Wargaming go the same way as Yostar in this way, just because, one, they have the partnership and the data's already there, and two, it's a tried-and-true um, mm -hmm. way of gambling for building. And you can. And the thing is, though, you in, in Azure Lane, you can get um, building cubes for free, like you don't have to spend a lot of money, but mm -hmm. you can also purchase them for gems, which is their paid uh, currency. So it would not surprise me if Wargaming followed that kind of rhetoric. Possibly. Yeah, I, I, I suspect the whole legal whatever is just a smokescreen, and the real reason is that they, they, they want to rejig things. <laughs> and it's going to take them time to figure out what, what's still going to be profitable for them. Yeah.
I honestly think that they'll probably go with the two percent. They'll, they'll go with two percent. That's which would be better than probably most of the odds. You know, <laughs> most of the, the drop rates for the good stuff in definitely worse than Makarov. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but... The next item is um, just a kind of I don't know apology ish for the Missouri. Also, they they like, increased the bonus. About, we should have known better. Like, what the hell? Like, yeah, you should have known better when, like, <laughs> the community was yelling. They were quite literally is like flicking you on the forehead, saying and like slapping pieces of bread on bread on the side of your head and asking, "What are you?" And you should have said an idiot sandwich <laughs> instead of a cold cut trio from Subway. <laughs> like, yeah, this, uh, uh, the, 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 oh. I mean, the whole the, the initial responses we got were basically, you know, well, we're doing it this way, and you know, that's it. That's the way things are. They were just really dismissive about it, and it, it took walking out. It took community backlash before we've gotten to this point. And it, I think it was a thing Conway said on the stream was, you know, we really should have done this differently. It would have been really easy to avoid. <laughs> it's like we told you, we told you. Yeah. <clears throat> Imagine, Imagine listening, listening to community. <laughs> Imagine listening. Yeah. They are bumping. The, the, probably the most significant bit about this little this little uh, paragraph here is that they are bumping the twenty percent, which was already bumped up from seventeen percent to thirty percent. Yes, that's. I mean, that is a pretty big bump. I mean, all things considered, yeah. Like that is that is the uh, that that is. I think that is going to be more than welcome in in the community, just because like Missouri was known for being that uh. That, that that credit farmer, and now it's going to be even more so, which is wonderful. Yeah, well, well, with the caveat of for existing owners, not people that have just bought the thing. Yeah. I mean, one, once again, right, this would have been so easy to do because all you had to do was, for example, take Mouse's calculation that, you know, where, where she was lied to and be like, okay, what if we assume you had like this base earning and we had all of these flags and then, and then you just calculate the percentage for somebody who has all the flags mounted and make sure that in a good game they break even, right? This is very, very simple math. Then you come up with the percentage and then you slap it on. But there was so determined to make sure that it's average earnings that people, they, they always went in from the perspective, even though, well, I mean, first I lied about it, but internally their perspective seemed to be, we want Missouri people to earn the same on average and people who just mount a lot of flags will just lose out. And even though we promised them they won't, we intend to make them lose out. Surprisingly, people weren't happy with that. Imagine mm -hmm. that. But it would have just, if they had applied basic math to the problem, they could have come out with this percentage from the start. They would have kept the promise and people would have been happy, right? It just, like, all, like, basically, like, this, 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 um, this whole situation, like, just starting from the beginning to end, um, we've always, I've always at wondered, Wargaming, can't or won't, and I'd always been like, okay, like, they say they can't, but, like, it's just, like, a big won't on their forehead. It's like, oh, we can't do this, or you won't do this. Mm. It's like, that's just, that's just it. It's, it's, it, to me, like, not doing the simple math, as HM said, it's, it's, it's laziness. It's, 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 it's just lazy. And you have to if track them kicking and screaming to the point where it takes things right. It's, 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 we shouldn't have to do things no, like that. Shouldn't. We shouldn't. Honestly, wish the things had all gone better, and that I was still a CC and getting all the free CC goodies. But 
you know. I mean, I'm hoping yeah. that that wargaming, like after all of this with the CC Exodus, um, extends an olive branch to those who have left. Just because, like, they, like, now they're f- finally kind of realizing that, hey, we messed up and we've lost a lot of press because of these CCs leaving. If they would do so much as to extend an olive branch to these CCs and say, hey, we're sorry about not listening to you, like, we're sorry this, that, and the other. Give them the opportunity to come back if they so choose to, if they are satisfied with the actions that are being spoken about in this announcement, or it, then, or they can just not like it. Just it would be the right thing to do. It would be absolutely the right thing to do. And honestly, I don't like after seeing what I've seen in the last couple of weeks. I'm actually not sure about how many people would actually take that offer. I, I don't. I mean. Speaking personally, I don't think I would because I I left and came back once already, and I I don't want to get burned again basically. But I really do hope that all of this makes things better for the program generally and for those that have remained in the program. And you know, is a positive thing for the game overall. It's just a pity we have to be dramatic about it to make it happen. I mean, you see, a lot, a lot of those are long-term things, right? For example, like how how are they going to change? How they're handling future events? How they're handling future lockboxes? How they're handling the drop rates? Mm-hmm. And I mean, they said they stated later in, in I think this whole thing that they are rework, <laughs> they're reworking the CC program, right? And so a lot of it depends on what exactly, what steps are they going to take, and what are they just promising, and what are they actually implementing, and so on. So, I mean, right now, I don't think anyone would take the offer if they said come back, right? It, it first action needs to be taken. And then mm-hmm. you'd see it, right? If, if they actually change, yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people would be happy to come back. But first, there needs to be actually change happening and it needs to be like, uh, a good program again. And I mean, it needs to be like, Wargaming needs to care a bit more about the game again, right? Yeah. Like, of course, actions definitely speak louder than words. And only after change has been visibly seen, in the public eye would this would i would like personally ask people to consider like if i were in wargaming's shoes i would say hey like hold us accountable um and once we start doing these things in like the next year or so um you're more than welcome to come back all you'll have to do is just message the community manager and we'll get things sorted like of course we all want to see action because actions speak louder than words these words are pretty loud but the actions that th- that come with them will speak tenfold. Yeah. For example, when we go to Christmas and we see the Christmas crates and they'll have all the drops listed and maybe there is a fair Christmas event with, with some free stuff and we see that they are actually trying to implement some changes or listen more to the community, right? Well, I mean, I feel like Christmas is going to be a very important point where we can see already do they actually mean what they said or not. I just had a very, very interesting idea for a Christmas event. Now, uh, like, hear me out here. Um, a, ca- a catch-up dockyard event where there is no specific ship unless you have all the current dockyard ships. And if you missed one, you can choose one to catch up on or do depending on difficulty level. Like, for example, the Puerto Rico would be hardest. And then they could bring the Venom back in for, like, okay, medium. And then, like, something like the Odin for an easy. What would you guys think of that? Yeah, that that would be... I think that would be... Uh, I mean, it saves them having to model a whole new ship, so it would be a plus from their side. 
but also for a lot of players, there's there's like if they missed it or you came in the game later, there's just no way to get these ships otherwise. So yeah, I could I could see that being something that would be fairly popular with the community. Definitely not. I personally, you know, I I don't have the Puerto Rico, so that's that's the one I would probably go for. Yeah, I mean, I mean like, go for it. They could even, like, then they'd have to actually model more things, but they could even expand it to other rare ships, all right? They could have an event where you could chase one of the rare ships in the game that's not currently available, or they could expand the list of certain ships that have been removed that, uh, you know, and, and you could, like, say, for my talk yet, I want to go for this, right? <laughs> or, like, it's, or it's like a generic dockyard where you have to reach, like, certain points where it's like, okay... If you, like, say, for example, congratulations, you hit the Tier 8 level, you can either choose the Odin, or you can keep going. Or, oh, yeah. congratulations, you've hit Tier 9, you can choose one of these ships, or you can keep going. Mm-hmm. That would be interesting. I think it would be, I think, it would, one, it would be super easy for Wargaming to do, and all they would have to do is just make it, make it so people could do that, and, like, you can obtain one ship for working hard for free and then you can I guess if you're satisfied with the Christmas containers you can get you can buy those for the rest like that would be that would, that would be a smarter that would be a smarter marketing decision by the way or gaming if you hire me I demand six figures <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know that's just something that kind of popped off the top of my head kind of yeah Kind of maybe uh, something I cool. like that idea. Yeah, you should definitely stick that in the feedback channel for whatever that does. But you know, somebody might read it and think, hmm. I mean, they said that they're going to listen more to feedback now. It's like they have this whole feedback section there in their book. Yeah. But and imagine reading it. We should probably, we got a bit off on a on an aside <laughs> there, but yeah, there's still. Few more things. So the summer sale. I kind of oh, apologise yeah. again for that wording mistake. Uh, it does interestingly say at the end there. Uh, we'll pay more attention to the positioning of such events. For example, many of you stated the term sale suggests direct discounts on in-game items, and this is something wargaming, not just warships, but like World of Tanks as well. They've been guilty of for a really long time. In that, whenever you have you know summer sale or winter sale or whatever, it's not actually yeah. a sale. There's no discounts <laughs> usually. <laughs> And that, like, that's something where, at least with with uh, War Thunder, you know, they they do discount things from time to time, and that just hasn't been really a feature in in World of Warships for a while. It used to have winter discounts on things, particularly, and I would save up doubloons and buy stuff for you know twenty percent off, thirty percent off, or whatever. Uh, but these days, the only way you're going to get that is if you get one of those random coupons that that pops up from time to time. Like, for World of Tanks, I actually waited for the Type 59 to come back in, and I, I snagged that just because it was cheap. Mm. But, yeah, like, I've, like, this whole, this whole, um, summer sale thing, like, when I think summer sale, I think Steam. Like, a 60-70%, yeah. and that mm-hmm. was just, that was just not what was entailed with Wargaming. Like... <sighs> They're using a very different version of the word sale than everyone else. Yeah, the, the, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if this is actually a cultural Russian thing or so, but they have enough English-speaking people that would uh, be able to, you know, uh, clarify mm. that. It's like, 
if if something is for sale, obviously you you would expect it just to be sold, right? But if you say something sale, then it implies that you are putting it on a yeah. discount, yeah. and that's just basic English, right? And the the thing is, I could see that a, a person that's not so good at English gets confused by that. But you have an entire North American division, right? Mm. I mean, it's very like that. That's where back to communication issue. You have so many people you could ask that could clarify that for you, right? I, I can only conclude that it, it's been a deliberate usage of that that word to kind of give the idea from afar that hey, look, there's some sale event going on. To be purposely like misleading. Stuff. Yeah, none of it's actually discounted, so. Yeah. But yeah, like I said that's been a that's been a thing for years and years. So it's kind of interesting that they're actually throwing it in with all the other stuff they're talking about. So that would be a welcome change. Um, mm-hmm. The last thing on this list is the age ratings, which I think has been that sort of announced separately. And they've rolled it in with this. Yeah. The Peggy rating uh, was seven in EU, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that, that, that was something they talked about, particularly on the stream, that this has never particularly been a game marketed towards kids, that it's more intended for an older audience. But, you know, it kind of seems like they're covering their bases and they want to deflect any criticism about um, this being a game where kids could get exposed to gambling. And to be fair, you know, there's stuff like the football games that contain the gamble boxes that the AAA publishers put out yeah, the boxes. basketball and American football and all the other like hockey and, and wrestling and all these these franchise games they're far worse offenders than this because they yes. you know a lot of them specifically are marketed towards towards a younger audience and uh, I, I think I kind of like this is more just them kind of tidying up a bit I don't think this materially affects anything yeah I, I'd say this I, I think Wargaming never, in, in that sense, marketed really towards children because the mm. game is like that the gameplay is very slow. If you want to catch children, you'd want something faster paced. You'd want brighter colors. You'd want maybe comic graphics and so on. Like There are games that are much more directly marketing towards children with their adverts, with their presentation and so on. I think like Wargaming just, they obviously they don't care if young people gamble in their game because it's not a downside for them, but they never really target them as the core audience because they know that they won't attract them. So that that age rating probably won't affect them that much. And it's a good thing that they're doing it still, right? They just they didn't care, right? They were like, right, if we if those kids gamble in our game, well we didn't really target them, so it's not our fault. Like they it seemed like Wogaming had this position that you know, maybe some kids gamble, but, you know, it's not like we told them to come. We we told the old guy to come and the kid just followed in, so not really our problem. However, we have an important question from the chat, by the way, which I don't think we actually asked you about beforehand, but does Virtual Senpai have a cat? So I used to have a cat uh, when I was very young. It's actually kind of a tragic story. Um, when I was really young, we had a cat. Um, his name was Pugsley. And absolutely wonderful cat, amazing. Um, he he knew when you were sad. He would he would come like snu- he would come cuddle you. He wasn't he 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 was one of those rare cats that actually let you rub his belly without him let without a cat like actually like clawing yeah. you to death. Without telling um, you to death, Linda. Yeah. Basically, so the sad thing is, uh, one day, um, I had just gotten home from school. And, um, my parents were like, oh, like, oh, how's it going? It's like, oh, I ask, oh, where's the cat? Oh, he's outside. 
and he was an, he was an indoor and outdoor cat. And so basically what happened is all of a sudden um, we heard like some screeching outside, like down the block and uh, like a car that was like running away from something like got to get out of there. And lo and behold, so like our neighbor knocks on our door and says, hey, uh, you guys should come see this. And my dad was like, stay here, stay here. Um, my cat was basically killed instantly by that driver. So it was kind of oh, sad. That's very sad. Yeah. That's but, nice. Yeah. It's the peril of uh, having cats that are outdoors at all. Yeah. One, one, of, one of our family pets growing up came very, very close to meeting the same fate. Luckily, she was okay, but she lost half her tail. It had to be amputated, and it kind of... No. She had like Drop. a phantom limb syndrome thing with mm -hmm. her tail forever afterwards. Yeah. That's unfortunate. But yeah, I, I used to have a cat. Um, cats are wonderful. They are... They are, they're either, like, super cuddly, or they're always plotting to kill you. <laughs> or both. Pretty much. Probably both. But my buddy, he does have this wonderful cat. Um, his name is Nugget. And it's actually hilarious. Um, they have full-on conversations. Um, when I went over to his house the, uh, like, earlier this summer, um, he lives a province away. Um... He was having a full-on conversation with his cat, and his cat was, like, physically pointing at things with his paw, and he would, um, like, they had this conversation, like, no, I'm not giving you that. Meow, 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 meow. No, I'm not <laughs> giving you that. You're not allowed human food. And then finally ends up giving him a bit of his food, and then there was one point where he was hiding behind the curtain, it was during this heat wave, and because he was trying to find shade, and he pulls the curtain back, and you just hear Nugget just start screaming, meowing, just, meow, let put it back, I'm warm, <laughs> And he's just like, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> but I have had my fair share of cat experiences, if not recent ones. Good to know. It was an important thing to, yeah. to know on this, on this podcast. You're at I least mean, an honorary cat tributor. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I was gonna say it is the Catributor podcast, so I've got to, uh, I've got to, uh, I've got to, I gotta, I've gotta show up with what, with uh, at least some cat stories, right? Yeah. Uh. Anyway, on with the topics. The next big section is feedback, and this is something I know a lot of CCs and former CCs have kind of had. Of issues is the right word, but um, you know, complaints to varying degrees about the sort of attentive attentiveness or lack thereof or more gaming's part. And I know people out in the community might well feel the same way about how feedback is reacted to. And I always I always have the, the caveat when, when this kind of thing comes up that it's like even just watching what was being said in the, the oh, chat yeah. earlier that not you know, not everybody that has feedback to give has reasonable feedback to give. Some people just you know, they they want everything given to them for free, which is not obviously going to work in a free to play game because oh, yeah. the game would sink without a trace, you know, pun kind of intended. Um or you know, people wanting just completely unreasonable things or people wanting things are already strong to be completely overpowered or so yeah it's, it's i have some sympathy when it comes to like gaming companies in particular dealing with with uh, feedback because you can't listen to everybody <laughs> <laughs> but that said 
That said, I definitely think they have room for improvement. <laughs> That's so good. I, I actually had this conversation about feedback uh, with Maltese Knight earlier today, and we were of two different, um, two different, uh, I guess, I guess trains of thought. But I mean, we both we both agree. We just were going agreed on the same point. We we're just like going different ways about it. So it was kind of like chasing each other in circles. And so he was saying, well, like, our feedback doesn't matter. It's like, well, they're saying that now that it's going to. So, like, it's like, so, and, he's, and he said, like, oh, so people who think carriers are fine, their, their, their feedback should be well contributed to. Or people who say, like, just, like, the most mindless dribble of, of feedback that doesn't 100% make sense just because they think it is okay. And they, like, they don't have, they never got a second opinion on it. They think that's okay. And I'm just like, no, I'm just like, that's not okay. But you're not seeing what I'm saying here. And it's just like feedback like this, like this, this, just them like listening, like actually like taking the effort to go and listen to, I guess, these feedback channels is huge. Like we see in the first point, we're seeing test ship Zhao getting some changes, which is, yeah, a personal favorite ship of mine. I mean, I'm, I'm a Zhao enthusiast. I love, I love that thing. And then Petro modifications, which is. Yeah. There's something to mention that on FDR as well. These have kind of been like the headline for ships that need some changes in some yeah. way. I mean, I think mm-hmm. when it comes to feedback and balancing, like it's it's not an easy process, obviously. But you need to to balance from multiple sources, right? You need hard data that obviously what Wargaming has spreadsheets. Now you need to interpret them correctly. And then you also need feedback because there's some things you will never find in the data because you're like, how fun is it to play against something is not something you can figure out by staring at data, right? You actually need player experience. And then when it comes to feedback, you can take into account how definitely how good players are. And you can take into account how well formulated the arguments are, right? If somebody says feedback, this ship is too weak, that's not very helpful in that sense. That only might make you look, but there are some people who like have actual arguments and compare ships and be like, okay, so this ship has this armor scheme and this and this is a problem. Or if there are actual facts, if you have actual arguments and your feedback is backed up by that, then you can go through that. And what I was missing so much was actual discussion, right? Because if I provide feedback and I provide well argue, uh, argued points, then they could come back and be like, okay, we disagree with this point, we disagree with this point because reasons, right? And then you can figure out who is right. You can only figure out if you have two sides of an argument who is right if both are willing to like talk about it, right? And that's the problem. Wargaming was never engaging in this conversation, so you could never figure out actually like who is wrong. Like if, if they don't, if they tell me I'm wrong, I won't believe I'm wrong, right? If I have actual arguments, they have to address my arguments and tell me where they think I go wrong, right? And like that—that's where like that's where like the mindless dribble comes in because we like yeah. I, I'm I like the the time where I looked in the feedback NDA and I see like oh like this ship is stupid like for example the FDR is stupid and should never be, never been put in the game which is a sentiment that a lot of us can agree with but there's no reasoning after it which is like okay well all right I guess like like where where are you going with this like oh. there's nothing there there's no there's no there's no substance. Although if they have, yeah, I have to say that's because I think so much feedback has already been brought up that if you have already written two pages of feedback about it and it wasn't listened to, then you're probably not going to repeat those two pages. You would just say, oh, you know, it's still a problem, right? They're just trying to bring up what, what they previously wrote, I guess, in that case. 
it's more when it's a new ship where you haven't actually provided a lot of feedback or discussion about it, then it's, it's not very helpful if you say this is stupid, right? Then you have to go into more detail. It is, it is worth noting that, you know, there are other games where they have kind of expert player councils that, that give that kind of feedback. Like I think EVE Online has a sort of uh, player council type thing going on, and there's probably other games as well. Um, and, and um, really the, the feedback channel on the, the CC Discord is about the closest thing that, that Wargaming has to that, that kind of expert opinion channel of, you know, people who play the, the game in quite a dedicated mm-hmm. fashion. And it's like you said, Atam, we've kind of discussed this on previous podcasts as well, that it, it has often in the past felt like throwing the feedback into a void because you don't then get any feedback on the feedback, yeah. as it were. And I, I think Wargaming themselves saw a kind of drop-off over time. And for a while, they were trying to uh, get people to, like, if you wanted access to the test ship, you had to give a certain level of, of feedback on kind of current test ships sort of thing. And then they they dropped that idea, I guess, because maybe it wasn't going in the direction they wanted. They just weren't getting the feedback even with that little encouragement. So, um, yeah, it's like the, the, the closest thing they have at the moment is there are test ship specific missions, which uh, especially a little chain of, you know, earn X amount of XP and like usually four steps and you get a couple of containers and then like 200 doubloons at the end of it. So not a major reward, but, you know, it's a little a little carrot mm. to encourage people to to play the ship some and give some feedback. Um, but yeah, my my days of of uh, putting any kind of super detailed level of feedback in the the forms they had ended a fair while before mm-hmm. I quit the program, just because it it really did feel yeah. like it wasn't going anywhere. So if that gets addressed, if it feels like there's some kind of uh, like at the end of or towards the end of a, a test phase, maybe they put up a little report of, like, here's an, an aggregate of the, the kind of various feedback that we got from USCCs, and, you know, here's changes we've made in response, and, you know, here's what, here's this, maybe a summation of what our data has said, and, and instead you just get, you know, we're making these changes, you know, we're, we're buffing the reload time a little bit, or we're changing these consumables around or whatever. We don't really ever get to see any of the, the reasoning for that unless, you know, we get the chance to specifically ask somebody in the Q and A channel, and sometimes you might get answered in a in an NDA way that you can't really then share that information. But it's still nice to at least know that it's been mm. read and considered in some form. So, yeah. I, I mean, I think what they need to do is right. They need to collect feedback for let's say a week. Right? They just say everybody who has feedback just post it there. And then they have someone to go through all of the points that are reasonably made, not not just uh, one-liners, but everybody mm-hmm. who articulates a point. And then they will often be the same point brought up, right? And then answer them, right? They uh, Once a week, they collect all the feedback on this ship. They go through all the major points, and then they address each one. And people are like, okay, this armor is bad because of blah, 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 right? And then they'll be like, okay, here is how we think, why if we think that this is okay, or this is balanced by those of those factors, or... You know, and for, for every major point people bring up, you just bring up their side of the story and their, and then you have a conversation because as I said, you can only have an argument if both people are actually participating in it. 
And feedback Even is often like not valuable if if it's like not discussed. Yeah. Even knowing, and this is more on a general point of communication than feedback, but um, knowing what Wargaming's intentions are towards the ship in terms of its play style would be useful, I think, sometimes, because what we were talking about earlier with the, um, I'd say Albemarle, but no, uh, the the new ship, the British Marlborough. Uh, Marlborough, there we go. I knew it was a similarly kind of toffish. <laughs> name uh you know you look at that and 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 we were all a bit bemused about like what, what's this supposed to be exactly other than a complete shotgun and it doesn't look that sneaky and the he isn't that powerful and yeah it's got a lot of guns but really poor accuracy and the reloads not that great for considering the caliber and it'd be interesting you know even if it was just in an, on the nda cc side to to have, have like hypothetically if we were being eight and still CCs, you know, to be able to look at it and say, well, oh, okay, this is what they have in mind for this for this ship, other than trying to look at the stats and then sort of haphazardly guess, because it's not always very clear. And that that would then maybe inform the kind of feedback that you would then be able to give to wargaming. Now, I've always been of the thought for, like, feedback-wise and feedback and balancing-wise, I've always been of the thought of um, taking after, like, one of the stronger MMOs in in the world. Now, I don't know how you guys would feel about this, but balancing around the top percentages of players and having the rest of the, the, rest of the player base adapt, because we've seen um, things like League of Legends take off. We've seen things like Valorant take off. We've seen... MOBAs take off what like like this what do you guys think of like if we're talking feedback like what if we take the feedback from the top percentage of players and put that into how World of Warships was balanced what do you guys think about that I think it would work as one point of data but I don't think you could have it as the whole of like that in conjunction with with Wargaming's own kind of hard spreadsheet data. I don't, I don't think you could exclusively use that kind of 1% feedback to shape the game. And I, that, that would be a pretty big shift for, for Wargaming St. Petersburg to, uh, to, to move to that. Because this isn't really positioned as like a super competitive game. And I know yeah. things like Kings of, the, Kings of the Sea have grown up out of it. Um, but Wargaming's own kind of push to doing anything um, super organized. I mean, there was kind of an idea of, of doing it back in, what, like 2017, 2018? And they, they, they were putting some resources into it, and then they decided that that's not where they were going to go. And now we have kind of, what, semi-official support for Kings of the Sea? Um, I mean, they've bought Kings of the Sea. Okay. Yeah. I guess maybe not having it balanced like exclusively around the top percentile, but like more often than not leaning on their forms of feedback because Unicums and I'm I'm sure some of you you guys can read Unicums and Super Unicums they see the game in a much more different well much more mechanical way than mm -hmm. the average player and so therefore they will see things that the average player won't but the average player will also be more inclined to comment on feeling. Or, like, is this fun? So I think that, like, making it mechanically like mechanically balanced and then allowing for leeway for players to learn would be a good thing. So not, like, having it, like, mutual, like, not having exclusive top percentage, 
but making it so that at least like all aspects are being listened to like mechanically listen to the top percent but feeling listen to the entire player base like something like that i don't know like it's it's all in theory but eh, i think it could um, potentially work i i think, I there think are it could be a valuable source of feedback yeah. but i don't know if i would i would put so much emphasis on it of kind of leading with that and then everything else kind of further down the chain i, I would maybe put it on an equal par with the kind of average player base feedback if if it was me calling the shots. I mean, but, you know, I don't I don't know anything about this kind of running this kind of game. So I think there are a few problems, right? Just because somebody's a good player doesn't mean they have a subjective bias because they have the favorite line or the favorite play style and they want that to be better. So while a good player might be slightly more objective, I don't feel like just because somebody's a unicorn they're necessarily going to be objective in the feedback. So that's something to consider. And the other thing is a lot of competitive players tend to evaluate ships from a competitive point of view, which is not really needed for a random battle, right? Because if you go into competitive, you only need the best, right? Yet the second best won't do because you're trying to win. But if you go into a random battle, you know, balancing doesn't mean every ship is going to be exactly the same strength because while that is nice in theory, in reality, it won't work. In reality, you always have a gap, right? You have on each and balancing, good balancing means that the gap is rather uh, small, right? So you'll always have a best and the worst ship at each tier. But as long as the best and the worst ship are close enough together, we call it balanced, right? And that's something that I feel like a lot of very competitive players seem to forget that I look at this and like, what do I want to do with this, right? This is only be like the third best ship in this. This is garbage, right? And that's, that's not real. Like, I mean, the ship might still be good or it still might be fun to play. Or they're, they're like, let's take brawling. Brawling is never going to be a, I mean, the brawling could, uh, use a lot more love. I, I don't think Wargaming really yeah. uh, develops think... the game right for brawling, but it's a fun playstyle and it has its existence, just not in anything competitive or so on, right? I think it's all also perspective. Like, you were talking about the space between, like, the best ship and the worst ship, yeah. and how some people would think, like, oh, that's not much of a space, but a competitive player would look at that. I, I think it's realistically all perspective, so I can agree with what you're saying there. Like, it's, like... It's like we we look at like as a competitive player we look at we look at uh like okay what's going to be the best but we're also looking at like we're not looking at the best be all end all ship we're also looking at the ship that is good for a situation but we're also looking at ships that counter it like myself being at 07 007 QQ I've seen the thought process of, of what goes on in um like in preparation for Kings of the Sea what goes on in preparation for a clan battle season they're like okay so what is the meta going to be and the meta, when the meta forms the meta forms and then they're already thinking like even when the meta is just formed they're already thinking of ways to counter that so i do think that like looking at looking at um looking at the top percentile should be done but maybe not as maybe not leaned on as exclusively. Like brawling is great, and I miss it. I'm I'm gonna be very honest. I miss it a lot. Um, but I do think that the the top percentile should definitely be listened to when it comes to these things because they won't only just choose the best ship, but they'll also look at other ships in order to and and like gameplay mechanics to counter those best like in class ships and best at tier ships. Yeah, so I, I, I do mean, think like they should be leaned on. Uh, te technically, I mean, I have what, a 62, 63% win rate, so I think that counts as a unicorn. 
I've never been in really involved in the competitive stuff. I'm just, you know, helping along in random battles. Um, but I feel like, uh, or at least what I've seen, that a lot more of the competitive mindset isn't really concerned with what works in random battles so much or for, like, they, they see things a little bit different. So I'd be careful balancing just around them, usually. And I'd also say this, right? Uh, the problem, I've had this argument, I think, with somebody a while ago, but not everybody will be ever good at a game, right? It's definitely possible for a ship to be overperforming in the hands of a bad player and underperforming in the hands of a good player because uh, they, you know, just because uh, some people don't understand how the mechanics work and so on. They don't see how to counter something, right? So you always have to... And then a lot of the people aren't good players and never will be because they aren't willing to invest the time to improve. And just playing the game doesn't necessarily make you better at it. Which means you have to make sure that for, for the average player, the game is fun. And yeah, I mean, they don't take balancing that seriously, I guess, but at least it needs to be a fun experience for them, right? And a lot of the stuff that maybe the very high end players care about, they don't matter for, for like the average person. So you definitely need to take the experiences. Maybe, as you said, like maybe they less take the mechanical view of the game, but at least take the experience into account. Like that—that's that—that's exactly what I'm saying. Like, take yeah. the mechanical prowess and knowledge of the top percentile, but take the entirety of the community's feeling. Like, is this good? Like, does this feel good? Does this feel fun? Does this feel engaging? Does this feel worth my time? That view, like combining the two, like I think would be the best course of action. Simply because one, you get a more intimate knowledge mm -hmm. with the mechanics, but you also get to see, like, what people think about Like, you can take the mechanics, present them to the entire community, and just see, like, hey, what do you guys think about this? And then you get feedback from there, and you can, you get, you listen to your community, and you get a positive outcome, hopefully, if they do it right. But, but we all know Wargaming, oh, we listened to your feedback, but we went in a completely other direction. <laughs> but, I don't know, it's just a thought. Rather yeah, long thought, I mean, too. We'll, yeah. we'll, see, we'll see what positive comes out of it. I mean, most of this section is, is addressing specific things. So, like, yeah, aircraft carriers is more like what I was saying earlier. There might be more changes on the horizon, and this is maybe why the, the Russian ones are being held back a bit. Um, <laughs> and they're saying some stuff that uh, is not due until 2022. Uh, which is going to be the old old tier carriers, so that that's going to be a ways off. Um, Maps gameplay is... experiences. Oh yeah, they're, they're saying that there is the new Conway mode, and I think they said yeah, that there are so... other modes that they are testing currently. That that would be, I think, a positive thing is to get some more yeah. gameplay content other than just new ships, which has been kind of the thing for a while now. We've we've had a little bit of experimentation with with Clan Wars and. Um, um, the other thing, which I forget the name of. And I'm um, still waiting for, like, yeah. Arms Race, because it's like, they have a gameplay mode, they have it, they had it yeah. for, what, like, two years, why aren't we getting it? Just uh, kick Epicenter, nobody cares about Epicenter, replace it with Arms Race, everybody would be happy. Why? I agree with why? that, like, like, I, I mean, everybody loves being able to just hold down your mouse, your your left mouse button, and on a small lens or something like that. It just goes 
It's, it's wonderful. Everybody loves that. How engaging. But now, speaking of missed opportunities with with uh, with arms race not being put in, I'm I'm just like I would really like to. I'm really to say, Wargaming, you messed up. Like, we all know how uh, Greyhound came out last year. If they released convoys then and had, like, bot controlled submarines, yeah. like, uh, early testing, if, even that if it wasn't an official Yeah. It would have been absolutely huge because, I mean, they did the same thing for Dunkirk. That, that event was so much fun. Yeah. Um, but like, if they did that, like, they've just been, like, they've, like, I'm, I'm a very marketing thinking person and they've just, Dropped the ball repeatedly on so many missed opportunities, and it's it's just sad. Like bring us, bring us things that we want, not things that you think we want. Like we're mm -hmm. getting we're getting submarines, but we like we, as like we need new game modes. Yeah, in terms, in terms like, of the tie-ins we have had since since Dunkirk, it's all been here's a skin and maybe a voiceover, and there's not been any actual anything to go with it. Like they could have done a whole Transformers event mode, and instead it's just yeah. skins. Yeah, it could have been like like but, sail the seas yeah. of Cybertron. Like yeah, I, I mean you, it, you like, could fight Godzilla in a boss battle or something <clears throat> like that, right? Exactly. Um, oh my gosh, that would be that would be insanity. Just having to. Uh, all I'm thinking of now is playing World of Warships in a World of Warcraft area where you have to dodge things, like stay out of the fire or sail out of the fire. And I'm just like, how is this going to work? Or do we get like 30 seconds to dodge this instead of like five if we're playing an MMO? Like, that would be hilarious. Battleships but... get an acro ability. <laughs> Yes, the taunts. I, oh my goodness, that would, that, would, that would actually be something to see. I would like, I kind of want to see it, as absurd as it is. That would be a fun April 1st thing, is it like, yeah, we're going to be an MMORPG now, <laughs> but with ships. Oh goodness, oh goodness gracious. Oh, give, give, please give us the, the uh, uh, transmog or glamour system, or however you want to call it. I mean, that's something that they could put in, that would be a good way to monetize the game, right? Like, let's just assume, uh, once you have bought the perma camo for a ship, you could change how the perma camo looks. You could, like, override it with a consumable camo for a small price, like, say, 500 doubloons. Because at first you'd need to buy the permanent camo, right? And then for 500 doubloons, you can change how it looks with any, uh, consumable camo you have. And you can keep changing that. And then for 500 doubloons, you can, like, uh, remove the effect to get your look again. Like, monetize customization. People love customization. Make it uh, so cheap that people want to repeatedly paint their ships differently, right? There are so many nice consumable camels in there. It's, it's you know, would be a win for everyone, I think. Yeah, we touched oh, on this previously, but, but it's a big thing in other online yeah. games, free-to-play games. But like, it seems like that's stuff they've just kind of left on the plate, really. Because mm -hmm, they're thinking, oh, it's already been done. We want to do something new. Well, so, but here's the thing: you can do what's already be done, been done, and go into something new too. You can do we both. Can you, have, you, yeah. you can eat it too. Everyone can get more out of it. I mean, the uh. other thing is, right? If they monetize customization more, they wouldn't need to push for so many new ships. That means they could take feedback a lot better into account because they would be only testing two or three ships and not ten simultaneously, right? That means the ships would feel less rushed, they could invest more time in them, and they could meanwhile just make more money by customizing things. They could uh, monetize, in a sense, old lines, right? They could be like, okay, we're now going to take a look at all Japanese cruisers. 
we're going to rework them in a sense, right? And modernize them, like uh, bring them up to date with the game is. And we make a month-long event with uh, Japanese cruisers, uh, bonus if, if you play them or something, right? And maybe uh, releasing a few camels with that. And by making older ships more attractive, people are more likely to invest into customization in them, like into, like, choosing a nice camel, put a picture, sticker, or whatever on it, right? It's like once you have monetization into your game concerning uh, visuals, it's, it just keeps paying for itself, right? Every new tech tree ship that you use is potentially making this you is, money because people want to paint it. It's, it's something even World of Tanks does better, to be quite honest, with how its kind of customization works and being able yeah, to... Yeah, I was going to say, like, they um, paint the cards and stuff. Yeah, and you can put decals on your ships that you can upgrade by on your tanks by you can actually kind of upgrade and change the the visual of by playing those those tanks a certain amount. Uh, yeah. So yeah, yeah. what are tanks like? If they even just literally, obviously it wouldn't be probably. It's easier to say, oh, they just copy and paste what World of Tanks has done, and you, you know you can customize how your your ship looks in terms of the camo colors it's probably a lot of work behind the scenes but you know the model of how that could work is there and obviously it does work well in in world of tanks so they're just they're just, they're, nice. they're just leaving money on the table it's it's as you said like it's it's yeah. it's it's i don't know whether it's laziness or to think like oh we want to do something new like I understand the the wanting to be like cutting edge, but if you don't do something that's already been tried and trust, tr- tested and tried it with your community, then like, what's the point? I think the biggest issue is it's a long term investment that doesn't immediately pay off, but pays off tremendously over time, right? Because if you don't have the system planned for that, and you make them something like making uh, consumable camels permanent or replacing like how permanent camel looks like, so I'm not sure how much involved it is in their code to to do something like that. Certainly, it would be possible, but it's it's something that just over time keeps giving you money because once you have that system, it's so easy to expand on every new consumable camouflage you release is potentially going to make you money and so on and it's easy to make like another sticker that you can put on your boat or another line of text or whatever like or even like it, Warfunder where you have specific props mm-hmm. like even if you limited it to certain area of the sh- areas of the ship you know yeah. like that, that's one area where Warfunder's microtransactions are genuinely microtransactions and it, it, it just would probably take a lot of time to develop. And then it would be a slow, like it's, it's not, like if you put a loot box in it, it's very little effort for very much gain, right? You just maybe lose people over the long run. You don't like retain them. Uh, but it's, it's like a one-term quick cash injection. While the other thing is just gonna give you a lifetime money, basically. But it's a lot harder to sell in your weekly, in your like quarterly earnings report that, oh, we have implemented this system that's going to make us so much money over the next 10 years. Because people are like, well, why don't we make money right now? Mm-hmm. Quite possibly. Um, so what else have we got on this section? Uh, maps. And this is basically confirming what everyone knew already and that there's not been any maps recently because they've all been working on making stuff work underwater for submarines so yeah. that's not really new uh although they have said there's going to be a new map next year at least one new yeah. map and another one has some uh, chances to make it in time so potentially two and possibly there's going to be a new mechanic in one of these maps not previously yeah. used in the game 
So not previously we'll used in the game, but could this be a hint at the iceberg thing that they brought back uh, all those years ago? Remember the destructible uh, Maybe, environment? Yeah, yeah. Maybe. I, I mean, break off and change during during the course of a game. It's been sitting there for long enough. Where, like, if you do enough damage to these um, these icebergs, they would they, they would they would fall off. And if they bring things in like that, then it, it would be much much appreciated. Honestly, like it's been in the works for a long time. So mm-hmm. if this is what we're looking at, then then I'm looking forward to it. But if it's something completely new, like you've got me, you've got me, you've got me, I'm interested. I want to see what happens. Like, are we going to see um, rougher seas throwing accuracy, like throwing off your crosshair? Mm-hmm. Like, what could, what, what would you guys think we would see? You I might be know, onto we something. Kind of last week when we, were, we, we were looking at the, I mean, they were talking about oh, yeah. reworking two brothers and, what other ever other map that was, and one of them's now got a volcano on it, and we're kind of having the just this discussion about well, what if the volcano erupts oh, during? Yeah. yeah, but that's an existing map, so possibly not that. But yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. Like the rougher seas thing, that's kind of like careful what you wish for because it, it it sort of sounds interesting in principle, but um, I I was playing naval action back when that was still. Um, they were just like doing the stage of battle testing when they brought in rough sea maps where it was a lot harder to aim. It, it had some considerable negative feedback because it really like everything took so much longer and uh, it was a bit more annoying. Although I have to say, once, once it got past that, once it got to the open world, you know, you can just avoid the rough weather kind of thing, which you can't necessarily do when you're randomly getting thrown into a a, a blizzard or whatever in uh, in your uh, random game of World of Warships. So I genuinely don't know. I mean, it could be the iceberg thing. I, I yeah. really can't think of anything else offhand. I have to go away and think about it. You know, they, they don't have to be destructive, right? I'm just thinking an iceberg could move, right? You could have islands yeah, that just move during the battle. Wouldn't that be interesting if you had, like, a basically moving, moving cover? cover? Yeah. Yeah, I, guys, think, I mean, it could be Bastion. Fun. Imagine if they brought back Bastion. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I try not to remember that too much, but that would be that would be something certainly. Oh goodness gracious! Bringing back Bastion. Oh man. For, for those that don't know, there was a, a rather briefly tested thing in. in was it even that brief? I can't remember. But for a while, in random battles on certain maps, there was this Bastion mode where there yeah. were these AI forts that. Uh, could basically be captured by each side and would essentially defend the cap circles and had to be dealt with before you could really flip the cap circles. And, and this is going by memory, that could be slightly or wholly inaccurate, but there were forts, basically. Yeah, they could, like, three, four-shot cruisers, those turrets. Yeah, they were nasty. Them. They were really nasty. So it, it kind of is one of those things that just kind of disappeared in the mists of time, like the... Uh, you know, go way back to when you had teams spawning all four corners of the map in an X formation on some maps. And that was always <laughs> weird and interesting. Um, so who knows? Who knows? That that could be, yeah, it would be nice to see more maps coming in. That's, that's I think, again, a thing that's been kind of a long-standing complaint of people and something we can shake our fist at submarines for. 
delaying new apps coming in. Uh, they have also addressed operations, and we also have other uh, ops, I think, was something yeah. I also talked about during the stream earlier. And this has been maybe one of the more controversial things that's been put in here, because consistently over time in the CC discourse, it was always, again, this was always very um, kind of dismissively addressed of, well, People don't play it, so we're not going to bother with it. It's not worth the effort. After repeatedly nerfing the income and repeatedly reducing the number of actual operations available, it's like, is, is there any wonder? You know, we've never, you, we've never had operation rewards mm -hmm. for stars, like the, the star rewards, you know, you get them once and that's it. They don't ever reset. And the fact that the income's been nerfed from these things, it's kind of not surprising that the player base dropped off and then you restricted the number of them. And like TC3 had a big rant about this on a previous episode. Yeah. <laughs> so it does, it does seem a little disingenuous when they're saying, oh, yeah, no, we, we, when they're kind of making out that, oh, well, you know, this has been the plan all along, but we just had to work on making the AI compatible. And updating everything. You know, from, from what they've said in the stream and how they've formulated it here, I think basically for what it sounds like to me is that for unrelated release reasons, they have started overworking the AI and now they might actually be able to bring operations back. They probably didn't have plans to do them, but they're like, you know what? We are actually already working on something that could allow us to do that and it wouldn't be much effort. So maybe we will just throw that in. Because to to yeah, it, it seems like they even though they might have been working on a way to bring like to make the tools to bring them back, they probably wouldn't have brought them back without the current shitstorm. Right? They'd be like, you know what? We could without doing much additional effort just do that as well. So they're going to do it. It would be nice if they address rewards. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's been a much requested thing for quite a long time now, and it's yeah. Again, it's taken this stink being kicked up before Wargaming's kind of addressed it seriously. So mm -hmm. it'll be nice to see some returning ones that haven't been around for a while. And it's, it's, the weird thing is that we, we've had some of the existing ones, um, like there's Raptor Rescue, which still has carriers in it, and others that were taken out were taken out with the excuse of, well, you know, carriers are in an, an integral part of it, like um, Cherry Blossom, for example. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. We had, I mean, we had the carriers taken out of Aegis and battleships put in their place without too much difficulty. So it, it, it really, it just kind of felt like an executive decision was taken at some point to drastically scale back operations, and then it's oh, kind definitely. of been in excuse making mode ever since. So yeah, I, I'm I'm glad to see we might be getting some some ops back, but we'll we'll see what form that takes exactly. <laughs> and then in this last section, we have other, which is uh, addressing some uh, updates of uh, old ship models, so things like US destroyers. I think they they were specifically brought up. <laughs> Tier four CV tuning, Huron, uh, which is kind of the trying to make up for the Little White Mouse debacle ship. And West Virginia 44, which has been, like, that's that's been hanging around in the halls of 
of uh, promised things that have never appeared for for quite a long time. No, like this, the, I think the Huron, like these two things, I think they're just like basically like a wait, no mouse come back thing. <laughs> Honestly, like I like if she, I, she I, made I just, the money, she really made the money, and I think they're now yeah. kind of like maybe we should not have been so casual about her contributions. Yeah, like so, like the the amount of contributions that Mouse and Shelby have put to put together. Um, and, and alert, especially with little blurbs in, um, in Mouse's reviews, um, it's been, like, I just don't understand, like, how, like, again, as you said, she was making wargaming money, and they just kind of, like, threw her aside and said, hey, like, guess what, we don't need you anymore, and now they realize that, like, now that people aren't able to make informed buying decisions, and they're kind of just going in blind, they're more hesitant because of what Mm -hmm. they've done monetarily in the past, like, Mouse was a huge resource. Um, yeah, a lot of her, a lot of her reviews, um, as detailed as they were, like I'm, like some people will say, oh well, she's not the best player. Like, well, she doesn't need to be the best player. She literally spent seventy five percent of her time in game in training rooms, getting the dispersion for us, getting the turret angles for us, the exact turret angles and like how far they would go. And given that some of her reviews may have been, um, I guess less popular, like the Salem review. Meth boat, by the way. Um, sales very strong. <laughs> um, like, Mouse, her work, it like, just the way it was thrown aside is, it's, it's ridiculous. And to me, like, the Huron and West Virginia in this, in this very section is just, it's just like, hey, wait, come back. And as far as I know, um, I think Wargaming is still, I'm like, would, I'm not sure if actively chasing her is the word to, the, is the thing to say about it because I know, um, she has been vocal about sale talking with her. Mm-hmm. I, I honestly, I, I think it, it it comes across as like a mea culpa more than anything else to me. Um, like they really were genuine about having, like making amends with her rather than kind of doing a, a public apology gesture, which uh, I think what the, the the Huron in particular is. Uh, they'd have just put the damn Sackville camo in. Yeah. Some Octavian would have gone, yeah, okay, we'll put the Sackville camo on on Yukon, and, and mm-hmm. Little White Mouse wouldn't have then quit because he wouldn't commit to doing that. A camo which had already been made for them, you know, it was all there, ready to go, and they just had to put it in the game files. Which is, um, it's it's ridiculous how they couldn't even just do that. Yeah, yeah, it it felt like really they. I mean, maybe they kind of want to, but they, they really didn't want to, like, give up everything. They really didn't want to make, even though it was totally all their fault, they didn't want to admit it and they didn't want to, like, go to, okay, yeah, we, we now have to make up for this. They, they, until the bitter last, they tried to, to not give in to her concessions. I think, even though they, I don't think they understand how the policy works. They went in with negotiations and they were like, we are never going to give you all that you ask for. Because, you know, we, I don't know. It, it just felt like they went into business negotiation where they were like, we can't just surrender. We, we have to get something from us. It, I don't think they understand how an apology works. Yeah. I mean, that's I mean, where, yeah, the like, thing they would have all thought would, was, comes in too. was decent PR. Well, decent-ish. Yeah. <laughs> Instead, it's really blown up in their faces. And I mean, the so, West yeah, Virginia... they've had to be dragged, kicking and screaming in the right direction. The West Virginia coming 2023. When one it promised, was it like 2020? They promised the originally that it would. Uh, I forgot the year, but it, it's been a while. Like West Virginia, 
they they liked when they said oh, they were putting yeah. it in. And now it's it's coming in one and a half years. I mean, it does take one and a half years to develop a ship, right? That's it's, just supposed to prove that they literally did not care. They did not do anything. On yeah, they it. didn't just, even start on it, and they won't even start on it right now because I'm pretty sure it won't take one and a half years to make West Virginia, right? No, yeah, it, it, they've had to slot it, it in the pipeline, and so it shows that it yeah, definitely wasn't in the pipeline already. It yeah, really, but it also really shows want- that they aren't willing to move. Like that's the the, the way their uh, their apologies works. They're like, yeah, sure, we will will apologize, but only if it's convenient. Like, wait, move something around that we've like delay a ship that nobody has ever heard of, that nobody expects, that would cause absolutely no trouble. No, we can't do that. I think it was twenty twenty eighteen. So it might have been twenty eighteen. Early 2019, when because I remember when it came out oh. that there was some disappointment about it being not its its um, late war 41 version build, yeah, yeah, and that that's how we ended up getting it labeled as the 41 version with the promise that there would be a 1944 version at some point. And instead, and they just you know, didn't care about it California. at all. <laughs> the last thing mm. about California, the better. And as someone said in chat, they have they have half the ship there already. It's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. Like it's 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 like <laughs> war gaming. It's just one mistake after another. And the the thing is though, like when I went to um their studio in St. Petersburg all those years back, I actually saw their how they decide how to go through ships. They have this huge whiteboard of amazingness, and there were names mm-hmm. there that I I can't I can't uh I can't see, but like. I'm pretty like it, it was. It's already passed like two, three years. So like all the all the ships have either been scrapped or released. But they, there's like this very specific like way they go about it, and it's just so ridiculous how like they're like, oh, we have this. We could just slot this into here and modify it. Like you could just modify the model, create some values, and boom, you're good. Put it into testing. And it, what I'm basically saying is, it's so overdone. It's they they need to simplify it. it everything. It's just so overly complicated for them right now. Yeah, it's they, they're 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 making it harder than it is, and it's it's yeah. painful to watch. They they need a bit more flexibility, right? It can't be that you have like the next one and a half years planned on releases, and you can't even slot the ship in or move anything around. It's they feel like you know you know when you start a battle in World of Warships, and there is this battleship, and that battleship decides to go on the left flank. And two minutes into the game, you see there is nobody in left flank that destroys in their camping and spotted, and the battleship keeps going towards the left flank, even though all enemies are on the right side, and this battleship just sails into the left flank and doesn't even sail right through the cap, but sails like out, uh, to the outer zone wall around an island. Around the, It's like when they start the game, it feels like the battleship driver is locked in his course. He goes to the left flank, he looks at the minimap, and he's like, oh, no enemies on the left flank. Well, a shame, because I've already, you know clicked on the left side, so I guess I'm keep like, going there now. He, he, it's like he autopiloted and went to go exactly. flip some burgers. Yeah, you know, exactly. It's like when they start the battle, they decide this game I'm gonna go left flank, and no matter what happens, they're gonna go left flank. They're like, oh wait, there is no enemy on the left flank. Well, should have chosen differently, maybe, but you know, now it's too late. I've already started going. Can't it, turn it a does, ship around. It does kind of speak once again to a somewhat inflexible management style. Yeah. Just kind of been a, a hallmark of a lot of what's been happening, I think. So, but we have been going for so long, and we've still got this last third of the page to cover. So, communications. 
<laughs> I mean, we actually have been going long enough that I need to take a quick trip to the bathroom, but you guys can start on that. Also, oh, sat here drinking my glass of water. Let's yeah, take a look I mean, at what they said here. Hmm. They, they said they're going to rework the community contributor program in a sense. Basically, they want to just take a look at it and update the program, and they don't know themselves how this is going to look. So we all just have to wait and see what happens. I mean, they better they better start treating people. Their C, they better start treating their CCs with more respect because, like, yeah, when we my I've, my personal interactions with Sub Octavian, um, or the ones that I've seen. Um, there's one thing I've learned about Sub. He's a very ego-driven man, or that is the, that is the idea among, along, among a lot of people who have interacted with him. He's a, he can be a good guy if you meet him in person. I've met him in person. He's, he's a, he's just a pretty decent guy in person, but like when you interact with him on Discord, you can tell that there's that cultural disconnect and he's quite mm-hmm. ego-driven. And that's what's kind of, and like kind of pushed us to where we are now, like the future of the game and the community contributor program where, our feed, like we feel like I'm. I'm assuming you've also like looked into when you were part of the program. You looked into the the feedback NDA channel, yeah. And you see him saying things that he would that like a like a like um a, like a, a high schooler would say, like trying to like start a fight, like trying to antagonize, right? Uh, have, did you ever see those? I mean. Let's just say that overall, they, I'm, I'm not saying, I'm, I'm not really sure who in Wargaming answered how exactly, but I'll say this, right? Generally speaking, the way Wargaming answers is often very antagonistic. And I'm, I think I've mentioned on this in the past, I'm not sure if this is a communication barrier or not, or if it's just a, because I feel like their style is just generally to assume you're wrong, right? If you provide feedback or if you can into discussion with Wargaming, they're yeah, the first answer is no, you're wrong, right? They have, they maybe have, they have read what you wrote, or maybe not. But it's like the default answer to anything before they look up anything before they give you two seconds to think about. There's like, no, you must be wrong, because it's impossible that we are wrong. And that's what makes the whole feedback and whole communication process so so problematic, because you like you know, it it's you, it's just a lot of disrespect they show, and they. Not sure they realize they show disrespect because, you know, I'm often not really sure if they realize just how they treated the people because they are just so dismissive of everything and they just go about everything with like, we know everything better. Or at least that's the, how they come around. And it's also like uh, in, in the Q&As and so on, even if they take a look at something, right? Even somebody brings up, hey, this ship might need a buff. If they were willing to say, okay, uh, we'll go back, we'll check the data, and we will come back at you. But they, they will never say that. They will say, no, you're wrong. And then they go back and check the data, and then they come back, and, you know, we have re-evaluated the data, and we have found that maybe there is something to be done. People are, but why did you say we are wrong in the first place? And they're like, ah, oh, no, no, misunderstand, miscommunication. It's like, <laughs> it's just that the default answer is always, you're wrong. Even if they are willing to take a look at it, they don't admit that they're willing to take a look at it. They're just, you're wrong. Like, I guess what was, like, sure, Wargaming was more antagonistic and, like, as a whole, but to me, like, what, like, what I saw from Sub Octavian, um, was he made it more personal. Like, he, he was like, it wasn't like, oh, you're wrong. It's like, you're wrong. Like, 
from what I saw or what other people experienced, is like, you're wrong and you're stupid. And it was that kind of thing where it was like, okay, like you're making this person feel really small right now. Like you, you are, you are totally out of line. Like it was unprofessional. It was completely unprofessional with the way he, 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 um, acted towards some people. And I will fall on, like, I'll fall on and say that. I don't, I don't care if this gets back to him. Like, dude, you have some serious things to address and you've got to be a nicer person. Like we understand that you have a company to run, but that doesn't mean you can't be nice. That doesn't mean you, you can't talk to people like they're human beings. But again, it's, it's the, 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 the miscommunication word of like the month. And the cultural disconnect, which I feel like is just ridiculous. As, like, as you said, they talk to us like we're automatically wrong, where our opinion doesn't matter. So it gets to the point where we have all these people like you and I are like, why do we even bother leaving feedback if you're just going to talk to us this way? So with that being said, I do hope that the CC rework, um, as they've kind of uh, quoted it here, goes over well and that they take a step in the right direction. I mean, it comes back to the further, uh, to the more above point about the feedback, right? If they actually start listening to feedback and involve, like, PCs in the discussion again, like, you see, what I said earlier, as long as you can have a discussion, and I don't mind being proven wrong. I have no problem with that. If I have an opinion and they can show me that I'm wrong, I'm absolutely fine with that. I have a problem if somebody just tells me you're wrong and refuses to explain themselves because then I feel belittled in a sense. It's like, <laughs> you're wrong. And they're like, why? It's just wrong. Like, seriously, this, this, this is where we're at, right? So if they can incorporate feedback more, if they can actually have a discussion, if they can talk about things, right, then a lot of this, this bad feeling, this negativity would go away. I think. <clears throat> And then for, I guess, the, uh, I don't know, did, um, the PHJ get back? Does he have any, any, any two cents here? <laughs> I think he's distracted by a cat. Important yes. business. Um, yeah, I, I think, I mean, honestly, the, the program is like, even now as it stands, way better than, than it, before the big reorganization in 20, whatever it was. Um, 2018? Was it 2019? No, it probably would have been 2018, maybe in 2017. And, um, you know, it's, it's been, it's been pretty good overall, but it obviously has gotten kind of more frustrating. Well, certain things have gotten more frustrating over time. So I'll be interested to see what exactly they come up with specifically to address that. Because at the moment, this is more just a statement of we're going to change some things and we're figuring out what. Yeah, I mean... It's very vague. Yeah. Now, if they listened to feedback, they could get positive feedback and how to improve things. Oh, yes. But imagine using your ears. Uh, it, must be, it must be a cultural thing, not using your ears. No, I mean, like, they need to possibly have more people, but... I feel like what I've uh, said earlier, if they, for example, take they make a specific channel for each ship that's, for example, in testing, then once a week they have, or they, they collect all the feedback, then once for a week they have, they go through it and take the major points that people make in the dress, for example, why they changed it or why they don't change it or what their thought process is behind it, right? That's, for example, improving communication and people would feel taken seriously. They'd feel like their feedback matters and we would get in a lot more positive 
in the program. And I mean, it would have positive effects on the game because if they'd actually read that stuff and address it and you have a proper conversation about it, then the ship balancing would be better, right? People would be happier. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, think it's just, just simple things like that, right? It might need more staff for that because that's obviously additional work to go through, right? And they'd need to take the time to, to actually address those issues and, you know, to talk with people. Also something that, I mean, somewhere in there, I think they'd said something about a roadmap, right? Because CCs and other people have asked that, that, can you give us a roadmap? Can you like tell us what you're working on? Can we get like any idea of what's going to happen? Morgan was like, no, no, we, we, we can't share that. We can't share that. We, can, we can't tell your roadmap. And now I think somewhere they said like, oh, we know what's a good idea. Maybe we should give you guys a roadmap. <laughs> almost and as like, if somebody told them, right? Exactly. Like, it's almost like, hmm. It's, it's, it's almost like, you know, in the cartoons when someone comes up with an idea and they're like, oh, oh, no, 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 that's dumb. That's dumb. Wait, I have this great idea and it's the same thing. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> uh, I've, I've come to think that wargaming is quite literally just in a simulation and we are just here, like, we're just here. And we're just here to experience, like, the, the I guess, the troubleshooting phase, which is, in, in all things, just, just, like, the entire, like, thing. Like, this is just a big troubleshooting experiment. Slightly terrifying. Speaking of troubleshooting, you know, they, they later addressed with general transparency that why they fixed the CV bug basically in a day and why they can't fix the torpedo bug in two months. They said because it's like with in-game logic and this is just a much more complicated problem to fix. And even though it technically is fixed within a week, it had to go through all the regular quality assurance processes and so on. <laughs> quality assurance. But uh, the, the thing is, it, it just reads to me like their prioritization processes or like a lot, lot of their thinking processes, right? What they don't understand is that people play this game every day. And if something affects the gameplay negatively, it's affecting them every day. And Wargaming just usually doesn't see this as a big deal as long as the game, I guess, works in total. It, they don't seem to understand that two months is a very, very long time for something to be broken that actually affects your enjoyment of something, right? Two months mm -hmm. is longer than a lot of people play a game in total, right? And Wargaming is like, well, I mean, you know, this, this thing's take time, yet that's, that's where prioritization comes in. That's why most companies prioritize fixing bugs, or at least good companies, right? If they release something and it's buggy, they'll be like, okay, we will delay this DLC because we first need to fix those bugs, right? Or we will focus now for, for like two weeks on fixing those bugs. That's how most companies handle it because they know they want to get a good gameplay experience to the people. While Wargaming is like, we come back to, I think, back like they are not very flexible. They'd be like, well, but our timetable doesn't say we fix a bug. Maybe we can fix, we can slot in the bug fix two months from now or three months from now. Then we have somebody available. We're like, I couldn't, you feel, no, 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 no. That, you, you see that's, that's there on the whiteboard, right? It, it doesn't say bug fixing. We can't change that around, right? And then, oh. the only reason I was thinking heavily of CDPR while you were talking about that. <laughs> that stuff. <laughs> Oh, cyberpunk. Yeah. Uh, has it uh, been fixed yet? Probably not. They had a big update recently, and then they published yeah, I mean, they had a lot of stream about up. stuff. Yeah, I think they're at 1.3 now, and then they've got a roadmap of, like, the free DLC stuff is coming. And Anyway, that's a whole other topic, though. 
Let's it is a much right. more enjoyable game now. Like everything runs better. I've got a a thirty eighty. I tried it out and it was very much so enjoyable. So once everything gets redone, I would definitely recommend going back and in, into and playing it if you've already played through it. But that's again, that's the thing for another day. So I played like two hundred hours of Cyberpunk. Oh. <laughs> it's it's a fairly it's a very fun title. Uh, like... So what else is there on this list? I mean, communications quality is uh, again a thing they've they're kind of addressed above as well. I mean, it's mm-hmm. basically just the whole thing about co- we 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 want to communicate better in general, yeah. and they're going to a, a few things there. Um, and, and that's a whole thing where it's yeah. like actions will speak louder than words. Like we'll yeah, see, I, we'll see, we'll, we'll believe it when we see it. It, it all like I mean the whole message. That's a properly written message, as you'd expect. That's a that's a good answer. And if if they actually stick to what they are saying, then this is actually a very good step in the right. Like all of like the whole, I mean the whole long poster and all of the points they make. Right? If they actually mean it this time, this could be very good for the game. Right? This, this is exactly yeah. what we were hoping to get. Now they've they've made the appropriate noises. Now it remains to be seen if they. They stick to them this time because they don't have a good track record with the promises. I think that's a lot of us at the, uh, of the CCs that left. I mean, everyone had their own kind of specific individual yeah. reasons, but I think most of us wanted something positive to come out of it. We, we yeah. didn't all we weren't all quitting and saying, "Yeah, I want the game to burn. I want it all to burn." And, I mean, and more gaming to go under and everyone to get fired. No, we we want the game to improve. We want the game to be yeah. better. We want the game to be fairer to its its players and its customers. So it's just, you know, as I've said before, it's a, a pity it took drastic action to get there. But it, yeah, you know, if, if it, this is all a positive thing, ultimately, yeah. if, if they can stick to it, if they mean what they say. <laughs> I mean... Again, like this, like this is basically just going to be like a okay. You know what? You've made this message. This is all. This has got them. It as I said earlier today, it looks like a duck. It quacks like a duck. But is it a duck? That's the one thing we just need to wait for. Yes. That's it. Like well, now, we just have to wait to see if this thing is actually a duck. But yeah, I mean, overall, I think the statement made was it's a good show of faith but or it's a good statement but that's about it yeah it's it's something like that is what we were hoping for right now if they stick to it then this all will actually have a happy ending which would be lovely mm-hmm. uh we'll we'll see i mean how they address it and it's, I, i'm already curious how christmas loot boxes will look this year put it like this I do have one question. I mean, I feel like we're getting towards the end here of yeah. the stream generally, and Lord knows this has turned out to be a monster one, but uh, is there anything we feel wasn't addressed that could have been? Any changes that they've skipped over that... that Come to think of it... Would have been nice um, I mean, there wasn't... I mean... There wasn't really anything that I don't think wasn't addressed, but honestly, I would like them to, like, 
I can like I would guess they would have said that the accusations were false because um you know there was that article that was floating around about um the EU doing an investigation and then like NA offices doing an investigation yeah. for money laundering. So what I'm guessing there is that they didn't go out and deny those that that was happening. So I don't know whether that is like a true or false thing or like if like if and but if what uh, sorry we're we're jumbling but. Um, I'm guessing that if they didn't talk about this, then there must actually be some form of legal issue going on that they Maybe. can't actually speak on the situation. So, and I mean, because if there wasn't one that was going on, then I would have thought like they would have been like, okay, hey, like these accusations are false, blah, blah, blah. Cause like honestly, that's a huge concern for me. Like if it's alleged, even alleged, that's something that should be addressed. But I mean, there was this Reddit post that dived pretty deep into it and basically debunked the whole. I don't think they 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 took them seriously enough because they never reached any serious newspaper to actually address them. Yeah, and I don't a think as a company, I think dubious. as a company, if if there are some dubious rumors on some dubious sites, just ignore them. I I wouldn't fault them because they they looked a bit spotty. And after there is a pretty good Reddit post. I'm not sure if you've ever read that, but somebody dove pretty deep into this, and it looks like this is all just basically made up. There is no, probably, no substance behind it. It probably would be one of those one of those things where it, it would be better to just not address it because it, it's yeah, it, it's kind of uh, if, if you do address it, you know, if you issue a strong denial, it's like oh well, I can't yeah, up, you can look <laughs> you like, can look guilty if you're like, yeah. of course we are not money laundering, right? Everybody is like, wait, why do you have to stress that? Yeah. I well, actually I'm didn't know that there wasn't a um, situation. There was, oh, well, actually, I, do, did, I did know there was a Reddit post, but I didn't know which one it was addressing because there's two cases, right? So that's why I was concerned. Now, it, it turns out that it all points to one source and everybody was just copying from that one source. And it's oh, all okay, not... That makes uh, sense. And yeah, the other person dived pretty deep also into the global money thing. And I don't think global money is even a corporation in that sense. It's, I think it's a made-up thing. And there have been no actual ties uh, with that Wargaming ever used a company like this to, to process the money and so on. It's like, it if it, it took a pretty deep dive, but it, it was a very thought-out Reddit post where somebody really went deep. And it looks like there is no basis to it. I don't... All right, that makes sense. Okay, cool. But anyways, yeah, like, I don't think there was, other than that, I don't think there was anything that they really missed. Like, what, the one thing I might pick out would be there was there's been some discussion recently of of CV spotting, and I know there was some discussion of that in the CC Discord prior to everything going down, and like that might have been nice to see that addressed. There was one thing that I would have um, that I think they were missing, and we spoke about it before, um, like regarding the CC rework. Um, it's like, hey, like we like when the time is right, we would like to leave this as like an open letter to those who did leave the CC program, and if they would like to come back after they see change, then that like that can happen, because that would have been like that would have been like okay, you know what we could, that would have been a sign that like hey, we care about our creators and we want to make sure that we keep good relationships with them. Mm -hmm. I think that would have been a good open letter to address. So that it's out in the open, they could see like, oh, hey, we care about big names like the Mighty Jingles. We care about and like all the small names. Like we care mm -hmm. about all the people who left. Like this, this Discord that Atem and I are part of, 
like the, every single name there, like all these people that have been, have either left or were thinking of leaving and then if, and didn't leave, but are supporting, um, like just having that there would have spoken words like, Hey, we care. Let's, let's work together. Like something like that. It, it has been notable that very few people have been reached out to in any kind of direct fashion. Like, I think there was, um, I think there was, uh, iChase and, um, and Mouse uh, or a few of the other NACCs said that they got a copy paste and mm. the EU guys didn't even get anything. You guys didn't get anything, right? Yeah. You guys didn't I, I certainly, didn't I know I haven't. And I don't know if you I have anything, but no. I mean, basically, when I left the program, I sent a message to, to Conway and to Sean, I'm just telling them that I leave because I felt like they, they, and they, they have answered with, with, uh, thanks for letting us know and, uh, basically best wishes and so on. But that's all right. They've basically answered just my message. Like, um, it, didn't, it didn't say like, oh, we're going to look into like what's going on here. Like, no, no, nothing. there was nothing like, but I mean, I, they were kind of overwhelmed then. And, but what, what I, I mean, it would be nice if they reach out. We will see. Like they, they said they are going to rework the program now, right? It's entirely possible that they first want to see what they can offer, what they change, and then they reach out. So, I mean, obviously, ideally, after so many people left, they would have reached out to them personally and collected maybe some personalized feedback on what is and then be like, okay, we will look into the address it or in any way. That would have been the ideal. But right now, they at least say they are committed to reworking the program. and. Obviously, they don't have any concrete plans yet, so we will see. I mean, maybe, maybe in the future, once they have something to actually tell people, they will offer a statement, or maybe they won't. Maybe they are just happy that a lot of people that were so critical are gone. I wouldn't be surprised if they're like, ah, finally, the feedback channel is now not so much nice. <laughs> I wouldn't know about nicer because there are still a few people left. Uh, mm. Yeah, but it's a lot less traffic, I suppose, there. That's also very true. Well, it'll be interesting to see what the rest of September brings as regards that. Then, yeah. I guess we'll it'll be certainly something we'll be discussing in future podcasts. That's for damn sure. <laughs> so, should we wrap yeah. things up? I think this is possibly our longest one to date. To be honest, yeah, it's pretty long. Yeah, a lot to talk about. Yeah, so. But, uh, uh, Yes, we can wrap it up. Thanks for joining us, Virtual Senpai. It's been a pleasure. It's been it's been an absolute honor to to come on this with you guys. Like it's it's like this was a lot. Like I I'm not gonna lie. I've like so we've been sitting for maybe two hours, forty minutes, and I yes. I haven't eaten breakfast yet. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's two I'm already at the beer stage. <laughs> See, I wish I was there. I wish I was there. <laughs> but I, I've got to. I got to go find some food. I am okay. hungry. Like, thank you so much, Flo, for having me. And I'm, I'm hoping that maybe, maybe one day we'll get to do this again. Have some, have some fun, sure. like, and talk some, talk some ship. You know, definitely. Yeah, but uh, yeah. Thanks everyone for watching, and see you next time. Bye. Bye.